BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And today I'm joined by the 2021 East Coast champion in the lights class, Colt Nichols. I've been, uh, I've been wanting to do this one for a while, actually. Shout out to uh, shout out to Paco. She uh, she's hooked this one up. Um, wanted to do it for a while, but this is one of the ones I'm kind of glad it took a while to get going. Um, Colt obviously has just come off winning his first championship, and man, if anyone deserves to win a championship in the lights class, it's Colt Nichols. He has really been through it. I mean. We did three hours like like it was nothing. And I mean, we didn't even really get into anything. Like, he's just had such a crazy career. Um, he is one of those Oklahoma boys. Uh, grew up with Trey Kennard and Justin Bogle at Robbie Reynard's facility. Um, and he was kind of like the last one of those boys to get it done. Uh, all three of them have won East Coast Championships now. Um, and Colt has, uh, he just took a, a bit of a different path to get there. So I really, really, really enjoyed this podcast. It, it could have easily been six hours. Like we, we didn't even scratch the surface. So, um, definitely be stoked to have Colt on again at some point if he's down. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. Uh, sometimes good dudes get it done and uh and Colt got it done this uh this past weekend in Salt Lake City and I'm super stoked for him and uh yeah really really excited to bring everybody this podcast um before we get into it uh merch we just dropped some we uh we've done the logo tees uh we've kind of never really done just like your stock merch run um, so that's what this is. If you want to support the podcast, it would help massively if you went to gypsytales.com, uh, gypsy-tales.com. Um, and yeah, we can ship worldwide. So get on there, order that shit up. And uh, and yeah, JB will ship it out to you this week. So um, yeah, that's a it's a really, really good way to support the podcast. Um, it's pretty... Yeah, that definitely helps. Um, so yeah, you can uh, cop that new swag. Pretty stoked on it. Sammy with his uh, signature fuck Jace tee has been, uh, look, selling. I don't know how I feel about it being the best selling t-shirt, but is what it is, man. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au, Australia's largest uh, range of dirt bike parts and accessories. We're partnering up with the gang uh, for Manjumup 
pretty excited about that. We've got some cool plans. Um, I have been going ham at MX Store over the last couple of weeks. Trashed my bike at Transmoto, so finally got a new Ballard's rear brake lever on there. Um, bought some tools from the guys at MX Store as well. Um, and I've got myself some new Alpine Stars. I've been wanting some Tech 10s for a while. Uh, and I've also got myself some new Alpine Stars Under Armour uh, because I've been running Tobies from 2012. So uh, au. that's the plug. Uh, same day shipping if you order before 2 p.m. or if you're lucky enough to live within driving distance of their epic Burley showroom, uh, you can hit that click and collect. That's my preference. Uh, mxstore.com.au. We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. You can head to boostmobile.com.au. You already know they are Australia's best prepaid service provider. I do the $300 deal, uh, and that lasts me pretty much the whole year. I think it's like 240 gig, and uh, that's the just the easiest way for me to get it done. Uh, we do all of our live streams with uh, with Boost as well. Um, this show today actually was live streamed with Boost Data. So boost.com.au. We're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. You can head to rivalinkdesignco.com. Damn, got some cool stuff coming uh, with those guys. Uh, they do not just graphics, they do jersey prints. They got a banging merch line and they're still giving away that CRF 110 for 100K followers. So head to Rival Inc. Design Co. and uh, and get amongst it. I'm also brought to you by the guys at Crick's Tweed. You can head to crickstweed.com.au. Ask for Kyle. He's a the man there. He will get you sorted with any new or used car that they've got on the lot. We're also brought to you by Fist. You can head to fisthandware.com and Dixon, dixonquality.com.au. Use the code GYPSYGANG. You're going to get some money off. That's it from me. Um, yeah, just uh, another plug of the merch. Um be stoked to see that out and about um you can subscribe to us on youtube send me a message on instagram um but yeah that's it thanks so much colt nichols you're a lord dude uh this was a great podcast i really enjoyed it uh shout out to jacob as well uh, our producer in the u.s for making shit happen thanks y'all big love yeah big fan though, so man. just bring this me. i'm pumped oh no i appreciate that hey bring this mic real close yeah yeah now you'll uh you'll hear the difference yeah way better cool all right man well let's let's just roll into it the uh the champ the champ is here how's that feel that that's got a nice little ring to it to be honest with you uh man that feels good it's um yeah been been a hell of a journey to be honest with you so um i don't know if it's really i mean it hit me a little bit on sunday just you know chilling with the fam but no, it's uh that <laughs> sounds nice <laughs> sounds yeah nice. yeah man i mean th- there's these moments in your life that happen and i think this is one of the this is one of the reasons i i personally love not only this sport motorsport but sport in general because you can have these like moments in your life while you're still on the journey and and you're still Mm -hmm. kind of doing uh you know the process of trying to be a champion but the first moment that you you know become a champion the first time you get a ride the first time you get a podium the first time you get a win like you've got these kind of milestone moments along the way 
that mm-hmm. um, kind of see a life's work kind of come to fruition. And I feel like winning a championship is a really big version of that. Obviously, you're on to the mm. outdoor championship and then you're going to try and back it up. Now, it's not like the ball mm. stops rolling, but on yeah. Sunday night, it's like there is this bookend of like, oh, wow, I've literally dedicated my life to becoming a champion and now mm. I am a champion. Yeah, it was... Um, honestly, it was mainly talking to my buddy Justin Bogle, um, you know, because he kind of been there, done that as far as winning a title and stuff. And he was the one that was like, dude, like, embrace what you're doing like take a second and just kind of like step back and be like holy shit you know like we did it you know like this is a big big thing and um you know he was a little younger whenever he got his title his east coast title and uh you know he was just like had the mindset of like oh there'll be more you know like let's keep moving forward let's do our thing and he was like dude it mm. was so important he was like i wish i would have had someone to just like tell me hey dude just like take a second you know like soak it all in yeah of course you got to keep the ball rolling and you immediately moved outdoors and all this shit but he was like just take a second and realize like what you've done you know like all those hours all that time and especially coming from him it was pretty important just because he's kind of been there and seen it all with me like he was in the dumps with me and you know going to walmart and cash on the change to make it another week and you know just the whole nine so like he he gets it and he he see it firsthand so um that was pretty cool to hear from him and so on sunday my parents stayed in salt lake an extra day and we honestly just hung out all day talked reminisced um just (laughs) were like dude could you believe this you know six years ago it seemed very very out of reach like very out of reach so uh, the fact that we're here, like like you said, you kind of do these little milestones, you get a podium, then you get the win, and you feel like you're getting a little closer, but uh, big picture, when you take a look back, you're just like, damn, you know, this is, this is crazy, such a cool feeling, and uh, a lifelong accomplishment, for sure. Oh, man, and so few people get to taste that champagne the way that you mm-hmm. did, you know, mm-hmm. on the podium, you're a champ, you've just done the whole season, you know, you can you can drink that champagne for a race win and it's dope. You can drink that champagne for a podium and it's dope. But mm-hmm. man, to 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 drink that as a champ, like it's just so much work, like a life's work mm-hmm. and the pain that's gone into it. You think about every injury and it's like it sounds dramatic, but it's like you should you should lay it out like this, you know. Bogle is right. Yeah. You should mm. you should acknowledge how much fucked up shit you would have had to go through to <laughs> Yeah. you know to make this happen and and dude it's just it's so hard to pull off what you pulled off yeah i mean i just obviously being there done that and even 2017 you know like was a good year for me but yeah at the same time as my first year on star and i'm trying to just kind of break into break into it a little bit got on the podium and um you know was still searching for the win and doing all this stuff and um it, even then it seems out of reach, you know, until you really get into a position like 2019 where I, you know, I had the red plate for five rounds and, um, you know, was doing well, then missed all of 2020, you know, made all that progress. And then all of 2020, I'm sitting on the couch pretty much. So, um, you know, that, that was tough in itself, but I, it mainly, the first thing I could think of when, you know, I'd realized I won, like I was actually kind of pissed that I got second in the race. And then I was just like, well, who gives a shit? I just won the title. Like no one cares. But, um, the, the first thing I thought about was honestly 2015. I, I rode for Crossland Honda, uh, privateer team first year into supercross breakout, trying to do whatever I could do. And, um, I was planning on resigning for that team for 16 and the team fell apart at the last minute. They came and got my bikes and dude, I'm riding Robbie Raynard's 450 at his place in Oklahoma just to ride. Cause I was like, dude, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, uh, then I got a call from Christina Denny just because Robbie had been bugging the shit out of her about it. 
And uh, I got that ride with Cycle Trader at the end of November. And I didn't get a bike till, you know, maybe a week before December. And that was literally it right there. Like when I was riding Robbie's bike, I just remember being like, I never want to be in this spot again. And I know one of these days yeah. I'm going to do this for a reason. I'm going to be a champion. And that was kind of the, the time that it clicked for me. But obviously you have your ups and downs since then, you know, injuries, shit that's happened, just everything. It, it's obviously ups and downs. I mean, we're dirt bike racers. We all go through it, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, that was a pretty damn cool feeling Saturday to, to be able to hold that number one plate and just be like, wow, like this has been a hell of a journey. Like I'm a little older than, you know, most first time champs. So, um, I, I think that was actually better for me to, to be able to embrace it like that and just be like, man, I've been through it. You know, like I, I can appreciate it. I'm older now, just being through all that stuff. And, uh, that kind of put some perspective on it for sure. Yeah, man, I, I'm, uh, how old are you by the way? I, I just turned 27 okay cool so i'm i'm 32 and i feel like uh i reckon 28 29 was when i was i sort Mm. of just started figuring shit out and learned like (laughs) how to appreciate things and you know the Mm. the kind of perspective that that you've got now and i I definitely Mm. think that winning a championship a little bit older with everything that you've been through like you would have a lot more perspective um on you know what it means because i feel like when you're younger you just kind of get caught in the momentum of things you know mm-hmm. like you, you look at young dudes that kind of win these championships and it's like win 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 there's so much momentum that that gets gathered in that that mm-hmm. i i and i've been around those guys like they're not really appreciating it in the same way and that's not through a fault of their own but there just is something that comes with age Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it definitely is that's why it was cool to have somebody like you know bogle there to just be like dude like i didn't really appreciate it the way i needed to you know to just be like damn Mm -hmm. you know like i accomplished this you know like this was me i did this and i've been through it and you know that's why it was cool you know for him to just be like to take a second you know like even if you're just by yourself for a second just reminisce for just a minute and just just kind of soak it all in and uh luckily for me i had my family there to do that with so that was even extra special so yeah uh we definitely did that you know got to embrace it and do everything but you know as racers we were always searching for that next thing i mean you know the next challenge in life and that immediately comes in three weeks when we start outdoors so you don't have much time to just sit back and do whatever but um, yeah, that's definitely the next thing we're going to try to push to try to do is go, go get an outdoor title. There, there's uh, do you, you know, Jack Harlow, you like Jack Harlow at all? Yeah. Yeah. He's tight. <laughs> Have you heard the <laughs> song tight. keep it light? Yeah. 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 There's, there's that's that cool one. moment. Yeah, dude. I always listen to that song. Like a lot of times yeah. on the way, um, on the way into the studio, I've got like, my house is only, you know, a mile from, from where the studio is. Mm. so it's like a one song drive to get to work oh, and cool. a lot of times before i do a podcast i'll put on just that one song you know at the yeah. end of it where his <laughs> mum's talking and then his mum's like yeah. i just want you to take a moment to appreciate what you've done and you know the people mm. that you bring together and blah 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 that's such like yeah. a good little mini 30 second meditation to just remind literally. to do ex- literally exactly what she said like take a yeah. moment think about what you've done fuck man it makes me feel great every single time i'll i yeah. will listen to that because you know yeah. no matter what's going on like if you take a moment to appreciate and really appreciate the you know the things that you have done like everybody in their life can find something um you know pretty special that actually appreciate 
Yeah, and I, I think it helps you you move forward too, just because you take that second mm. and you're like, okay, like this is where we were. This is some things we went through. Look at what we did from this, you know. And then that for me, that gives me kind of the perspective of being like, wow, you know, like the the sky's kind of the limit on what I feel like I can do and accomplish in the sport, just being where I was, you know. So um, the the perspective that gives you and you know the kind of clear mind and you know like the now move on to that next goal kind of attitude is is awesome and um, you know something that's definitely helped me throughout my years of struggle, obviously, but. Uh, no, it was cool, man. I, I'm happy to be in the spot we're in, and um, you know the bike will look pretty sick with the one E on it next year. So, yeah. uh, no, it was cool, man. It was a damn good season, and uh, you know it was tough uh, for sure. We had a, a little bit of ups and downs, but we made the best out of each situation. And uh, overall, man, I'm, I'm very proud and, and happy with the way the season went, for sure. Yeah, man. Well, like hats off to you, dude. Like it, it's it's really Thank cool you. to see to see somebody achieve the you know something that you your career has just been so filled with like heartbreak like constant heartbreak mm. so you know mm. they say nice guys finished last but in this case a nice guy didn't finish last you know it's, it's really cool to see somebody that that really deserves it and really earned it get what they were chasing yeah i mean because it, it definitely doesn't happen too often you know so to in order to to do it the way we did too was was pretty awesome you know I was hoping to to get that last win just so I could be have the most wins on the season now ended up tying with Jet but um honestly dude that that kid's got so much skill and talent and it was fun to race him all year and uh for me to to be on the podium each time that was that was a championship right there you know I didn't really have any races that were you know two big faults and uh you know that that was pretty cool too because that that's quite an accomplishment that hadn't been done in a while either so uh that was big motivation for me there that you know the last few rounds but overall man yeah it was uh that's pretty sick. I was happy with that. Yeah, man. There's a difference too in a person when you you believe you can do something versus you know you can do something. And I, mm-hmm. I think that 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 example rings true, kind of everywhere, man. Like if you think about um, just getting the whole shot. Like there's probably mm-hmm. a point in your professional career racing Supercross where you sat on the line and just hoped you could get a whole shot but you didn't yeah. actually believe it. Whereas I'm guessing mm-hmm. the Colt Nichols in 2021 sitting on a factory star Yamaha, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get the whole shot. It's not like you mm-hmm. do every time, but there's a switch that kind of flicks, right? Yeah, it does big time, but it's, it's like so hard to describe that switch. Cause dude, it's like literally indescribable. And for me this year, it was just dude, that confidence you have. It's, it's so weird dude because it takes over everything like off the track your swagger the way you walk the way you talk like the way you show up to the gate like dude it's everything and so for me like whatever that is to get that out is what I have to do like for me it was cool like in 19 me and Bogle doing like these little walk-in like fit picks and stuff and everyone made fun of us for it at the time but for me it was something that was like dude that was like a confidence thing like I walked in and I was like I feel fucking sick like I look tight like I'm about to show up and kick ass and we'll go home you know like that was the idea so uh for me this year it was it was kind of the same thing in a sense of being like once I got to the gate there was no more questioning if I could do it especially after we got through the first residency at Houston like going into Indianapolis, I was just radiating confidence. Like everything that I did, I just felt like I could do no wrong. And, um, you know, we had two really good races there. Then that third one, I had that crash, but 
man, I just felt like I was untouchable at that point. I just felt like I could beat anybody, you know? So that's such a cool feeling to have. And it's crazy, man. It can, it can go the other direction so quick or it can go that way, you know, and, and stay that way. So, uh, you see some guys that can just handle that a little better and constantly be where they need to be. And this year was a big, a big opportunity for me to like grasp that and understand it and be like, okay, if I'm not where I need to be, how do I get myself there, you know, mentally to that point? So, um, we, we figured that out this year and, and made some strides in that category. So that was huge. Yeah. Look, dude, let's, let's try and break that feeling down because yeah, you're so right, man. But like that feeling sometimes mm-hmm. scares me because I get that feeling too, dude. Like we just start fucking killing it with shows on the podcast and like downloads are going crazy and like everything's rolling and sponsors are calling. And it's like, you, you're right. Like it, and for me, like my, I'm um, pretty big into jujitsu, so that's like a daily kind of struggle that I put mm. myself through. Like sometimes mm. you just go and just get fucked up by everybody. Sometimes <laughs> it's that same thing, you know. Yeah. Like I walk in there and like I look in the mirror. There's like a mirror at the end of one of the mats, and I like walk in. You catch a glimpse of yourself, and you're like, "Damn, you're like a fucking G today, dude!" Like there's some people getting yeah. bashed right now. <laughs> and and then that carries all you know all over and you're walking down the beach yeah. and fucking you know you've just got like that vibe about you but that vibe mm. sort of almost scares me sometimes because i'm like oh this shit like ups yeah. and downs you know like the higher you yeah. are the lower you can go so it's like Honestly, it's a yeah. weird feeling dude to try and yeah. like stay in that goldilocks zone yeah, especially for us too, just because, I mean, we're, we're a motorsport, you know, like it's not just us, like there could be something that happens with the bike or like something out of your control and that brings you back down pretty quick, you know? So then you got to figure out how to bounce back from that and just be like, okay, how do I get back to that point? And dude, it is so tough because this sport, just as soon as you think you got it figured out, it just kicks in the ass and you're like, wow, <laughs> like I thought I had it figured out and I definitely did not. So, uh, for me, I think the biggest thing was, um, just realizing it and like I said being able to snap into that mode and whatever that was you know like before the race I'm a I like to be by myself for a second so whenever I'm in the tunnel I you know I try to get by myself I I try to replay these things in my head get me to a point where uh, I feel like I'm ready you know like no matter what gets thrown my way I'll be able to handle it and dude that was that was a big big thing for me and um, everyone has their, their thing that's a little different. You know, some people don't have to do anything. They just show up and it's just there, you know, and uh, some yeah, people need yeah. to work a little harder to get that. But um, yeah, for me, showing up and making sure we were where we need to be every race was was huge, man. You can't just have those nights where you're just off. So uh, especially when you're racing against guys that are that good, you know, like Jet, um, Christian, you know, like all these dudes that are really, really talented and they keep you on your toes. So I, I couldn't afford to have those nights that were just horrible. So um, that, that was a, probably the biggest breakthrough I had this year, um, just as a rider and as a person. And I think that's why I had, you know, the, su- the success I had for sure. And what's like the, when you're in the tunnel and you're taking that moment, what's like the self-talk? Are you talking to yourself in your head? Is there like a conversation that's going on or is it the opposite where it's like, there's no conversation going on and you're just kind of in the moment and it's, there isn't a lot of thinking going on because that that stuff is super interesting because i that's honestly Mm. like the physicality of you this year versus like like you're physically the same sort of dude you know like Mm. from 26 to 27 there's not a big physical change i'm sure you're training Mm. hard as fuck the whole time physically you're the same dude the bike's the same but Mm. you ain't winning every race like you 
you were this year kind of thing, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. what's the conversation that takes place in your head? Because I feel like that's where the changes actually take place. Yeah. I mean, the upstairs is, is really everything, um, for us as dirt bike racers, as you see with even in the 450 class, like dudes with Coop and Ken and two completely different personalities, you know, and, and how you get the most out of each one of them is completely different, you know? So, uh, for me, like to get me where I need to be, that conversation is literally just sitting there and just being like, dude, like how long have you wanted to be in this position? You know, like yeah. how many times was I sitting on the couch, broken leg, you know, busted up shoulder, whatever. And just being like, damn, like I would give anything to be on the gate right now or, you know, just to, just to be in a championship hunt. You know, I was just like, that seems so far fetched so many years ago that, I was going to be damned if I let that slip away at this point. I was like, dude, I'm so close. And <laughs> I just wanted to be there for so long that it was mainly just living the moment. Dude, like anytime I tried to think about the future, it would just completely twist anything that I had going. And I'm like, dude, I can't do that. Like why try to think about stuff that I can't predict anyway? Like it's motorsports, dude. Like as soon as you think you're going to like, everything's going to go a certain way and you're going to have this big plan, it gets blown up in your face every time. So I'm like, dude, let's just live in the moment, enjoy what we're doing put myself in the best spot I can possibly put myself in and go out there and just do work. And that's literally all I did. And that conversation was, was pretty much how it went every time, you know, like I would sit there and kind of crouch down and just be like, all right, like this is it, you know, like this is the spot we always wanted to be. I'll be damned if I'm going to let that slip away. Like let's go enjoy it and, and go kick ass and have fun. And that's literally all I did every time. So, um, like, you know, as long as you can keep that kind of mindset. And for me, that's that happy medium, you know, of being like, that's, it kind of reflects a little bit on the past and you kind of remember some things and it also makes you so present that you can't think about the future. All you're focused on is the task at hand. And that was the start. And then as soon as you got through the start, it was just putting together the lap. So, um, man, it was just living in the moment. That's literally the best way I can describe it. And, uh, that worked really well for me. I mean, it was just one thing I kept reminding myself over and over and over again. And yeah, it worked, it worked pretty damn well. Dude, yeah, it's so cool, man. I was, um, it's not released yet, but I, I just had um, Deegan on the podcast and we were talking mm-hmm. a lot about about Danger Boy and his future and it's it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy to watch a guy like Brian who's got so much experience in the industry and he's just been around for so long and it was crazy to see like this dad who's just like so genuinely interested in like how to do the best thing for his kid because there's mm-hmm. so, it's so hard to get the recipe right to win mm-hmm. at the level that you've won at. And I mean, we were sort of going back and forth about like, what would you do? What, you know, kind of just ha- having yeah. a chat about what it takes. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I said was like, fuck dude, you kind of just got to build a real gnarly person. You yeah, know, like literally. you can be a great <laughs> racer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you can be fast as fuck. You can have like the best bike. You can be super fit. But I think there's like this almost kind of overlooked element. And I think this kind of speaks to like you and the way that you kind of come up and and even like Justin Cooper in a way. But it's like sometimes just like being the best racer and having the best bike and like just checking all the boxes. Like if you're not a gnarly dude, like a real gnarly dude, like when I look at Cooper Mm. Webb, I'm like, fuck, he's a gnarly dude like mm. yeah, just you can't got not. that shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like i wonder if that's overlooked is like are we too busy trying to like check these boxes of like bike fitness uh mm. you know speed all of this shit without just like 
making these gangster dudes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's like overlooked big time. I mean, you have to check those boxes. Like you gotta be fast. You gotta be fit. You know, you gotta be on a good team. Like all that has to come together for sure. But when you're going head to head with the best dudes in the world, you have to be fucking gnarly. Like you see that with Coop, like every weekend almost like you look at the dude and I don't know how many times, like even after a heat race, after practice, I'm like, dude, he's, he's off, you know, like he's, he's, he might get six tonight, you know, like based off of how he looks and the fucker goes out and wins every time. You're just like, how does he do that? You know, like he's just mentally just tough as nails, dude, just as tough as they come. And, uh, dude, I've learned so much from that guy, but. It was kind of funny, like the other day, uh, Verb Moto posted like those Loretta's vaults thing and they posted mine yeah. and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> like, I think I got on the podium like twice there my whole career throughout Loretta's and dude, I was not that great, you know, as an amateur, I won titles everywhere, but Loretta's. But when I look at that, that's like the perspective of being like, okay, like I had some stuff, but I still was not that great. I just had this belief yeah. that one of these days I was going to make it happen somehow. I don't know how I was going to do it. Cause at the time, obviously I was on the struggle bus, but, um, I was just like, I believe in myself so much that when it comes down to it, I'll be able to go get it done. And when you look at a dude like Coop, I literally think that's just the way he thinks. Like he looks at it and he's like, yeah, I might've sucked earlier, but I'm still a baddest motherfucker here and I'm going to go win. And he just does it. And I'm like, dude, that is incredible to me. Like the dude's tough as nails. He's a gnarly dude. He's fit. He's on the probably the best team in the 450 class as far as experience. Like uh, there's a lot of dudes around him that have won for years, you know, like you can't replace that experience, but the dude is just gnarly. I mean, just tough as nails and dude, you got to respect that. I don't care who you are. You got to look at that and just be like, I respect the hell out of that. That dude is a racer like through and through. Yeah. He, he's like kind of one of those dudes where, um, like you'd know these guys, man. Like you probably mountain bike with with these kind of dudes, where they're just like they're local guys. They ride the mm. track, that or they're like mechanics and industry guys. But then you go mm. on a mountain bike with them, and they're just fucking gnarly. They just want to <laughs> suffer, dude. Like you know, do you know Wiener? You, yeah. He works for Honda. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah He's just him. one of those dudes, man full on like he just is down to suffer like there's just some (laughs) part of that dude's brain where he's just like let's fucking go like Mm. this will come down to whoever's the gnarliest dude and i'll be the gnarliest dude and you kind of see that in like those you know like the ultra marathon runners like the trial runners and stuff like that they do like yeah 240 mile races it's like there's at some level there's no way that you can train your body to do 240 miles. Like you, you can't train for it. So like, yes, you've got to be fit, but there's only so fit you can get that fitness might Mm. get you to like mile 40, but that's like the trainable (laughs) zone where you could actually improve. And then like the, the next 200 miles is just like purely mental. And man, I just honestly think that if you, if you did like, uh, if you took all of the top supercross races if you did like a west coast lights and then an east coast lights and then a 450 class like buds camp where they you know went Mm. down to camp pendleton and the guys (laughs) that win the races and win the championships would probably be the gnarliest dudes in that buds course you know what i mean that there's got to be like a correlation there mentally yeah i mean i i believe that i really do just because 
I mean, dude, you you almost got to just be fucked in the head sometimes. Like, you just got to just, I mean, like, you look at a dude like Ricky, like, he was the prime example of a dude that was just, dude, he was just sick. He was just a different breed, you know? Like, he didn't have to do yeah. what he did, but every single time, he just wanted to kill everybody, just embarrass them. Like, and, dude, it was honestly incredible to watch, like, at a young age, and you really don't get it until you get older and you kind of go through some stuff, and you're just like, mm. wow, like, that dude was built different. And then I see it firsthand, like... I'm pretty good friends with Coop, you know, so I, I see him a lot. We talk, we hang out, we go play golf, do all these things. And um, just the way he responds to some things, like whenever you sit back and you look at it, you're just like, would I have responded that way or not? I don't know. But you see the way he responds and then that makes you kind of think about it and you're like, oh shit, like, wow. Like maybe that's why he is the way he is, you know, and it kind of makes you under or look at things like a little different. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the, the mental state can take you a lot further than you ever thought it could. And I've just learned that a lot over the past few years, obviously just with my injuries and stuff that I've gone through personally, but then just being a visual learner, you know, seeing how people do things and being able to pick up on, you know, like how they respond to certain questions or, um, you know, how they respond when their backs up against the wall, like that pressure is something that you can't replace either. You know, like that's a whole different animal too. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's crazy and it's a fascinating side of the sport for me. That's the part that I like, you know, I love the strategy side yeah. of it and, uh, trying to figure out how I can better myself or, you know, beat somebody else mentally before we ever get there. Like that's a huge part of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, what, what better dude to look at than a dude like Coop? I mean, he's, he's pretty prime time at that. So uh, he's got that side figured out for sure. Yeah, there's just like fucking big dick energy there with Coop, man. Literally. Like and and Literally. he's he's made some moves in this season in particular, like when he wrote red plate on the pit board. Just mm-hmm. fuck yeah, bro. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that shit. As you know, like yeah. as a fan. Yeah. I mean, dude, that is the ultimate cop i mean dude if you do something like that like when you line up with the gate you better be like i'm about to go handle fucking business i mean you have to do that like because if you do that and you don't you kind of look like an idiot so i mean like for him that's that trigger you know like that's what gets him to be like i have no choice like we have to go do what we got to do and for me like that that was a, a big thing too to just be like okay like let's get ourselves where we need to be think of anything i need to think of i don't care what it is what i have to do to get myself to that point but we got to go handle business, you know, and that, that was huge. And, um, but dude, seeing stuff like that, you can't help, but just be like, wow, like you just kind of shake your head and just be like, damn, like the dude did it. He, I mean, he does it every time. Like there's never a time when he does something like that and he doesn't pull through. It's just, it's incredible. You can't help, but admire that. Oh man, for sure. And like this year at, uh, I think was it Atlanta three when Kenny had that big lead and then tipped her in the whoops and then Coop just like, ate that gap down and the last two laps man of mm-hmm. that race coop was so fucking loose bro like <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was not riding the motorcycle well man like there no. was one uh you know you had like that that left hander and then the double and then you went straight into the right and it was pretty mm-hmm. technical like obviously 20 minutes in she's beat and it's like yeah. a lot of guys were rolling it and Coop just fucking licks the stamp, press send, and just yeah. fucking things going <laughs> like that. And I'm like, that is a guy that literally in this moment does not give a fuck. Like, there's no, no. championship on the line. There's no, nothing is on the line in that dude's helmet in that moment than winning that particular race. Like, he didn't have to do that. No. But you no. just, you, you know, you take like that one turn, one jump, 
one scenario and it's like that's Cooper Webb in a nutshell probably could have rolled that jump still won the race did not give yep. a fuck sent no. it <laughs> sketchy as pulled it off won the race you know it's just yeah. that I, I just I don't even know maybe we're starting to appreciate Coop yeah but I don't even know if we fully appreciate the dude yet no I, I mean I, I don't know if we do either and you know we'll look back I think at some point and dude the stat that blows me away is the fact that obviously he's a two-time champ now and I mean you look at that list that he's on James Stewart has two titles Chad Reed has two titles I mean there's a lot of dudes with two titles and I'm like dude the kid's 25 you know he's probably only going to get better for the next few years like that is incredible to me like the kid's just good dude like he just wins he does what he has to do he doesn't care who he has to piss off to do it and he just goes out and gets it done so uh, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan. I'm learning what I can from him. I'm hoping I can apply that to my racing over the next few years. But man, it's uh, it's it's fun to watch. Honestly, I, I hope I can be you know that that kind of person, that kind of racer, and uh, that's that's somebody I admire big time. He's a he's a damn good dude. Yeah, I think he's a good good, good dude to admire. Um, it's it's funny though. Like, I, I feel like there's probably a balance that needs to happen though like you you want to be that dude when you put the helmet on but Mm. then you also want to be i think when you come off the track you want to be almost like the lowest rank on the team you want to see yourself as like (laughs) almost the fucking janitor or like you're just there Mm. on minimum wage and roger's the man ian's the man carlos is the man and you're looking up at those dudes it's like when you're on the track you want to be above everybody else but then when you're off the track, you want to be at the bottom. And I think that if you can get that mix, because if you if you come off the track and you stay in that big dick energy mode and you're mm. the fucking man and no one can tell you shit, then it's like, you. I feel like that's when you can really run run into problems. And it's like, if you can yeah. get that balance right. And the um, watching Moto Spy, the last episode, I'm not sure if you watched it, but yeah, that's a good series. man. I got a I like whole that. new respect for Carlos after watching yeah. that episode, dude. Yeah, he's like, a man. I actually, I've been around him a long time. I've known him a real long time. That one episode of Moto Spy made me appreciate the shit out of that dude as a mechanic. And it's like, mm. oh, makes sense. Four titles with Dunge, two with Coop. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of see it now, and like you know why he's the dude's just yeah. good that's what i mean like he's coops around himself with a lot of good guys and uh like what you were saying earlier like you come off the track and you know you want to be act like you're still the lowest guy dude i think that's what helped me the most this year was i had no choice like we <laughs> we would get done with the race i just won and i'm feeling great obviously about everything and then we come back to yamaha and christian just whacks my ass like he does every time along with you know everybody else i'm just like jesus dude like how i just won two days ago and yet i'm you know just absolutely getting whacked so uh for me that reality check was quick and it always kept me on my toes like i mean i can count on one hand how many times i was faster than you know maybe christian or some of the 450 guys or whatever so uh that that was that constant carrot to like chase and that's what made it so good for me was I always felt like I had something to prove I had that chip on my shoulder being like dude like how come I can't be faster than this guy ever and then I would show up on the weekends and you know that you know that switch would flip and then it's it's time to go you know and it was fight or flight and um, you know luckily for me I was able to you know put it together really well and win some races but 
man, that was, that was the reality check though. And that kind of kept that balance, you know, of just being like, I'm still so hungry. I have that chip on my shoulder and I want to go prove my point. And that's, that's what helped me on the weekends. Honestly, I think that was huge for me this year and, um, constantly having that person to chase that, that was, that was a big deal for me. What, um, what do you think it is about a guy like Christian that can be so fast at the test track? And then in, you know, even like they were, the race that he got hurt, I was watching race day live and it was like lap two through the whoops and he just fucking blows by you dude. And I'm just like, yeah. this is insane how good this motherfucker is, but he's just yeah. not winning. Yeah. I, I mean, every time, like we'd be at the practice track and I was like, geez, dude, I cannot keep pace. Like I try, I'm trying everything, you know, like I feel like I'm hanging it out and the dude just is yarding me. And I, I honestly don't know. I mean, Coop told me a long time ago, whenever, um, actually my first year at star, like I, I rode the Yamaha track on a cycle trader bike and uh, Coop was still on star at the time. And dude, he, the, the, one of the first few times I rode with like the whole team Swanee crew at the time. And I was so far off. And during the year, I, I was actually beating a handful of those guys. And we showed up to the track and I was like, what in the hell? And he came up to me and he was like, yo, like, I know you're frustrated, but dude, like, it doesn't matter. You know, like this does not matter during the week. All that matters is Saturday. And ever since then, I had this whole attitude of being like, okay, like, yes, we want to put together our best effort when we go to the practice track. But at the end of the day, if I'm feeling like, like I can do everything I can possibly do, that's, that's fine. You know, if I'm not the fastest guy, who cares? But in years past, that would bother me, you know, to where I was just like, why am I not the fastest guy? I don't understand. And I just couldn't grasp that, you know, that somebody was better than me, you know? And, uh, this year was the first time I was just like, who gives a shit? You know, like I'm out there doing my thing. I'm putting in laps. I'm doing the best I can possibly do. And I'm straight up just I'm getting beat, you know? And that I was fine with that. Cause I knew once we showed up on the weekend, and the lights came on, that's whenever everything mattered. And none of this other shit matters at all. So uh, for me, that's how I kept moving. And as far as Christian, I can't speak for him. You know, I, I don't know. But I mm. mean, he had a few races where the dude was like, even the first round, he was, I felt like nobody was going to beat him. You know, like the dude just won and he made us all look a little silly. And then, um, you know, we go to round two and it was a spot where Jet, I just felt like was no one was going to beat him. You know, like he was just the best guy that night. So, I mean, things change so quick. And that's what I talk about, the mental side of being able to battle that and get yourself where you need to be each weekend before that gate drops is huge. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's maybe it or, it or what, but, you know, luckily for me, I was able to do that. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's honestly kind of crazy how some of that stuff works when you sit back and look at it from that perspective, you know what's different about racing to practicing because it's like all right you you've got you got yourself you've got christian mm. you got these other guys like malcolm and dylan the boys that are at the practice track so it's like all the ingredients are there it's a full-size supercross track it's prepped it's mm. everything's the same you're going to do the same mm. amount of laps you're going to do it with the same guys that you're going to race but what is different about a race versus a practice track i mean for me i have a harder time just with that intensity side of things like i mean there's nothing like just sitting at supercross the opening ceremonies everything goes off like do the lights the crowd like for me that gets me just amped like i am so jacked up that i just am like i gotta bring it you know like the intensity is there every time but at the practice track, we show yeah. up on a Tuesday, the track's fucking baked. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, I like, I, I, not that I don't want to be there, but I'm just like, this is, I can't simulate 
racing as well, you know, during that week to bring that intensity that I need. And I'm almost going through the motions sometimes, but for me, it's that. And then also too, I mean, it, most of the time, like at Yamaha, we all do the exact same line. I mean, it never changes. You know, like it's the same line. We float yeah. the turns, everything's the same. And then you go to the race and you're cutting down, there's four ruts everywhere and the whoops just get beat to shit. And, uh, everything's just completely different. And for me, I thrive when it's like that. Like when the track slows down a little bit and you can't just be wide open everywhere, that's when I feel like I'm a little better. So, um, I use that to my advantage. Like I knew that that was going to be the case and I didn't let during the week bother me. And then when we showed up on the race, that's, that's how it played out. So, uh, that gave me just even more confidence, you know, each time we showed up to just be like, all right, like I can suck during the week and get waxed and then show up and I know I'm going to be fine, you know, and we'll manage what we can do. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing though, is just the intensity, man. There's nothing like racing when that gate drops and you know, you have to, I mean, fight or flight, you know, like you're going to win. Like that's whenever I feel like I can thrive. And, uh, I mean, that's what we live for. You know, that, that feeling of doing that, like gate drops, you want to be the best during the week. You know, you kind of take off staggered start and lollygagging around and, you know, you're not taking off from a gate and the crowd's not there and it's just harder for me to get into it like that. But uh, something I definitely need to work on, you know, to, to get a little better during the practice, even at the races, sometimes my practices are kind of awful. So, um, definitely something we need to try to improve on a little bit, but man, I think there's just nothing like that racing and that intensity you get from it. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I'll give myself a bit of a plug here. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was in the heat race at round one or the main event at round one, but, uh, there was just like a point in the race where I was just like, yeah, Colt Nichols is winning the championship. And, uh, mm -hmm. it just, it just seemed like, so you, you said it before Christian Craig first round fucking smoke show. Like he was just killing it. Second mm -hmm. round jet shows all of the potential that we all kind of assume that he has, but there was just mm -hmm. something about the way that you were riding and the way that you were racing. It's like, dude, from fucking round one, it was like, Oh, Colt Nichols is like managing this championship. It was, it was mm -hmm. bizarre, dude. And it just never looked like you're out of shape for winning this thing. No, I mean, I, I felt after, um, right after Houston won was when I think it really, really clicked. Cause I mean, you show up to the first round, you have no idea like how you're stacking up. Like obviously I arrive with Christian every day and the dude rips. So like, that's all I knew. I don't know how anybody else is doing, how anyone else looks, how they're going to race. And there was a bunch of rookies this year too. So, um, you throw that into it and you're just like, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. But whenever we left round one, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm winning this title. Like I just felt like I was in such a good spot. I, I was coming in with a little bit of an injury, but I got through that race good. I was able to manage it. It didn't affect me in a way I thought it would. And um, going into that Tuesday race, I was like, man, like I am about to outsmart everybody. Like everyone's kind of playing checkers and I feel like I'm about to play chess. Like I am going to manage this thing the best that I can. And I feel like I'm going to win this thing just by being smart. And I mean, that's literally exactly how it played. Like round two was a huge moment for me too. Cause I was able to track down Christian at the end of the race past him. And from that point on, I was like, I feel like I can do that every time. I feel like I'll be able to do that no matter what. And I can handle this thing. And I was like, all I need to do is just kind of get on a roll. And then Houston three was obviously the big breakout where I won. And I was like, okay, it's over. Like, I feel like I'm going to take off on this thing. And that's why it was such a bummer at, at Indy three when I crashed. Cause uh, at that point I did kind of feel untouchable, you know? So, um, but I mean, it, it was, it was pure, pure management. Like I, I did the best with what I could for each situation. I never panicked. Um, I, I just kept focusing forward and got a bad start, just picked off as many guys as I could. And I knew that somebody like jet, I didn't know exactly how it was going to play out, but the kid has such raw speed 
that I was like, okay, at some point it might bite him. I don't know if it will. And I mean, for his sake, I hope it doesn't. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but he might try to push it a little too much. I was like, I have to take advantage of that. And at a few of the races that that's kind of what happened, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely trying to play, trying to play chess the, the whole time and kind of just manage that thing and, and go try to get it done. And luckily we were able to do that for sure. Yeah, dude, it was insane to watch. <laughs> like, I don't know for whether I was just fucking drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever it was, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, people weren't really talking about you in that. Like, no one was giving you the championship, essentially. But, yeah, mm. there was just something about the way that you rode and approached each of those early rounds where I was just like, fuck, these dudes do not have a chance. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm fucking Jet Lawrence fanboy. It's what I got to do. It's pretty much blood <laughs> at this point. So it's yeah. like, I'm all in on that. But there was no way I thought Jet was winning the championship, seeing the way that you were riding at the first round and then, you mm. know, again, the second round, then you win the third round. So it, it's crazy that you had the that feeling. And, man, it was fucking obvious. Like, it was just <laughs> you could visually see whatever that feeling is that you just described. Like, you could yeah. actually see it. <clears throat> yeah, it was kind of funny, too, because whenever we got done, uh, this was my first year working working with a mechanic I have, uh, Matt Winters. And after the first round, like, he was pretty crucial just because he was actually Cooper Webb's mechanic as an amateur and stuff. So he was, he's been around Coop a lot, you know. And so uh. he's kind of – he understands things a little bit, knows how he works, all this stuff. And he was bringing a lot of insight to me. And he's a dude that actually really pushed me pretty hard this year, um, which is also what I needed. But even after the first round, like, we're riding back to the truck and, you know, I'm talking to him and I'm just like, man, dude, I feel like we have this thing. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. But after tonight, I just felt like we had it. And he was like, dude, just keep doing what we've been talking about. Put yourself in a good spot. Do what you got to do. Like, you got them covered. Like, let's go, let's go play chess. You know, like, let's figure out how to manage this thing and do it. And we kind of bounce ideas back and forth. And, um, dude, I was just able to put myself in a really good spot and, um, and look back from the whole thing and just be like, okay, if I don't have the win, that's fine. Like I'll be on the podium. You know, I just felt like there was no way I was not going to be on the podium no matter what. And if the wind's there, we were going to take it. And, um, dude, I just feel like we managed that really, really well. And I was super proud of the way, you know, I was able to handle that. Um, just week in a week out, you know, that, that was such a, such a big deal. And that was literally what won me the title. So yeah, it was, man, it, it was hard to describe that feeling, but riding back to the truck after, after the first round, like I, I just got third Christian won, like he waxed me, but there was just something about it. I was just like, man, I just yeah. don't, I just don't think he'll be able to do that every time. And I feel like I have this one, like, I just feel like I'm in such a good spot. And, uh, and, and I definitely was for sure. Yeah. That's how it's got to be done, dude. There was another mm -hmm. moment too, where, uh fuck what round was it but uh jet was kind of like getting into it a little bit with you even though like i think he was kind of maybe was he like a lap down or there was some kind of deal or maybe it was after he come back from hurting his shoulder and you were like obviously going to pass him but he was kind of playing that cat and mouse with you and then yeah, after yeah. the race you're like mm -hmm. sitting down with him and you're I was just like, this motherfucker's little broing him right now. Like he's straight up little broing him. You could have been so pissed. Like you could have, yeah. you could have been like, fucking fuck this guy. Like and kind of put him in his place and played in, and that could have developed into a thing. And then it's mm -hmm. like, you know, Jets going after Moseman, and then you know, let's add Colt yeah. Nichols into that if he's, you know, if you guys get into it. But yeah. 
even that, I'm just like, this motherfucker is playing chess. Like, yeah. he straight up is Lil Bro and Jet. He's got Jet yeah. in his back pocket right now. It's, like, mm. practically a teammate. You know what I mean? He just... <laughs> the dude that, like... The dude that you're whack, uh, like you're waxing him in the championship, and you've somehow figured out how to make an ally and a fan out of Jet Lawrence after he's just like <laughs> stuffed you a bunch of times. I was like, he yeah. is on some shit right now. Yeah, I mean, my my first reaction to all that was obviously you got to be pissed, right? Just because you're like, God, I just want to pass this kid and move forward. And then once yeah. I finally was able to get him, it was I think there was only like a lap or two left, maybe, and. uh I was like, all that matters is I got him. Like, I didn't really care. You know, then after the race, I'm, I couldn't even help but just be pissed at myself because that was actually Indy 3 where I got the whole shot and crashed on the start and, uh, and uh, came yeah. through and was able to get back on the podium and all that stuff. So um, we had the little cat and mouse and we're going back and forth and doing all this stuff. And then after the race, I'm like, dude, I will look like an idiot if I try to go after this kid because... I him and Krishna just got into it. He got into it with Mozeman and like just just some random drama. And I was like, I don't need that. You know, like this is this is chess right here. This is how you play the game. So uh, for me, I mean, and I have a lot of respect for the kid. The kid's got a lot of talent. He was fun to race, race me clean. Like, yeah, we did cat and mouse, but it was never anything like dirty. You know, he was just protecting the spot. So uh, I respected that, you know, and I think he's a good kid. And we were able to chat it up after the race and um, you know, just kind of sit there and bullshit, which was cool because that's my first time I actually ever even got to talk to Jet at all, other than just being like, good luck, you know? So um, that, that was actually a pretty cool moment for us. But yeah, that was definitely a time where it could have went the other direction and you get pissed and you blow yeah. up and you make this big ordeal. But for me, I was like, okay, like, is that the smartest thing to do? Probably not. You know, like, let's take a, let's take a second, relax, and then we can, we can be fine. You know, we'll move forward. So um, I just couldn't help but be a little mad at myself. I felt like I threw that one away. So I didn't have time to be pissed at Jet. I was just more just like, damn, I should have won that race. You know, I was in the lead. So uh, that's kind of how that went. But yeah, that was uh, that was a defining moment, I think, a little bit in the series for me too, for sure. Yeah, and that they're the moments that win championships too. Like there's not, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't have to be on the racetrack during those, you know, 15 minutes or whatever for the main event mm. that count towards the championship dude it's those moments too man it's the interactions in the pits it's the uh the mm. you know the vibe at track walk like there's so mm. much shit that goes into winning these championships and like we kind of got to see i don't know whether people maybe overlooked it or if people noticed it but yeah like to me that looked like a huge moment in the championship where i was like this could have easily gone the other way and man i think that that whole like the bullshit with moseman and jet that was huge in Jets Championship, I think. Mm. Like, I, I really yeah. think that, like, the bullshit <laughs> that he got involved with, with Moseman early. I mean, the, the one thing when I when I lived over there and I was just a fan that before I'd sort of done the tour and gone to all the races, like, I just didn't understand how important every single time you were on the track was, whether it was mm. track walk, first practice, qual dude, everything yeah. counts and you can see it um you can see it with privateers like at mm. the top level like with with you boys it's it's not as obvious to see right but mm. in our position with like jdr right we had uh one there was it was at la i think it was the round where trey got hurt but um ryan mm. marmont was riding for jdr and he was doing like a few rounds over there um as a part of like the west coast deal and he like something happened and he got kind of lucky in quali and then he got mm. a real good gate pick and then mm. he whole shotted the heat and then he mm. like got past and got fifth or something in the heat 
<clears throat> and then he whole shotted the main. And it was mm. just like, if you don't, if he didn't get lucky in practice to get that gate pick, to then get that mm. whole shot, to then get passed by only five dudes in the heat, to then hold, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's yeah. set up so far in a good night in Supercross is set up the, the, the moment you walk the track, essentially. And, um, and it just seems like, yeah, that, that moment with you and Jet was one of those moments where it was like an off track experience that actually added value to you winning that championship yeah i mean i I really think it did but i mean going back to what you're saying it's just like it's one of those things where it's the confidence thing just like we were talking earlier but also too it's like the management of things and you got to put yourself in a spot to almost get lucky you know like you can't have this beef with this guy and go out there and practice and you're so worried about just fucking with this other guy that you can't even go do your thing like you have to put yourself in a spot where you can be straight go out there and handle your business do it the best way that you can possibly do it and then go home you know so for me whenever I saw all that early the first thing I could think of was I was like dude I have to stay away from all that like somehow I don't know how but I I did a really good job this year of making sure I wasn't in that spot you know to be to have that beef with somebody or to also try to be head to head with somebody like I was head to head with Christian and maybe if we were on different teams it would have been different but for us, we weren't going to do anything crazy to each other. Like in practice, we weren't yeah. sitting there like fucking with each other, like whatever, you know? So it was fine. But yeah, I mean, that, that plays a big role, dude. I mean, obviously like Moseman put Jet on the ground, you know, Jet put Moseman on the ground, like that, that's huge, you know, like that's spots. That's uh that's a bad gate pick and a heat, which leads to a horrible start in the main and, you know, it just snowballs. So uh, it can go that way or it can go the and other it's way. it's like so. rent in your head too, you know? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it goes off all the time. If you have somebody that you have this thing with, you're wondering if that's them behind you, you know? So you're like not focused forward. You're looking at that just being like, man, I got to look over my shoulder. So yeah, it's one of those things that it's tough and, um, to avoid that is damn near impossible. But if you can kind of get away from it and still try to like stay in your own lane, which is yeah. luckily I was able to do that this year. It, uh, it, man, it makes a big difference. What, what were you and Jet talking about there? That's cool that that was your first time ever really talking. Yeah, it honestly really was just because, like, I don't know. It's Our sport's weird, dude. Like, dudes don't just, like, hang out and talk all the time, which I think is kind of weird. And I'm a, I'm a pretty open book. Like, dude, if you have something to talk to me about, come talk to me. I don't really care. Like, I'll talk to you about anything, you know. Um, I feel like I'm fairly easy to talk to. I get along with a lot of people, and it's fine. But so many dudes in the sport feel like they're, like, losing an edge if they talk to your competitor or, like, whatever, you know, which I think is retarded. Like, when we put the helmets on, let's go. Like, I don't give a shit who you are. But um, for me, it's just different. And, you know, Jet's such a young kid. He's trying to, you know, figure all this sport out and how everything works. I'd actually never raced him before, before this year, because I was hurt um, the whole year before. So um, when we were sitting down, I was just like, yo, like, dude you're killing it like it's been it's been fun to watch honestly as a fan like dude you're so young you got so much skilled like um you know just keep your head right do your thing like you're, you're gonna have a bright future honestly and um that that was the only really words of advice I could give the kid because obviously he's, he's kind of crushing it but uh it, it was honestly cool just to sit and chat you know like see his personality see how he is um you know we're talking about just random shit his little injury he had at the time with his shoulder and talking about the track and just all this stuff you know so it was kind of cool to sit and do that for just a second and then at Salt Lake actually in um in the tunnel before we went out for I, maybe the night show or practice I don't remember what it was but same thing he kind of um was behind me and I'm just sitting there kind of chatting him up I'm like dude when you come to California like let's golf or something you know let's get together and go have some fun or you know do whatever and not a whole lot of guys really do that um you know with I guess I don't want to call it a rivalry but competitors and I just think that's kind of silly you know I'm just like well I mean 
I'm out here by myself. You know, it's not like I have a bunch of family or, you know, really yeah. a bunch of close friends. I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, let's go play golf and enjoy ourselves and, um, you know, get to know people a little better. A lot of people don't really do that in this sport. So, um, no, it was cool, man. He, he's a good kid. And honestly, he's got such a good personality. He's fun to be around and stuff too. So, I mean, I, I was like, why not? I feel like we'd hit it off and have a good time to be honest with you. So, uh, that was kind of all we talked about really. Have you, um, have you ever been on Jet's TikTok? I have not. No, I, I don't have a TikTok and I, I've actually never been on it. So I, I couldn't say what it is or not. It is a trip to me that <laughs> probably the future of our sport dances with his shirt off on TikTok and just yeah. has bitches <laughs> dripping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was that age in his spot, I'd be doing the same damn thing. So I, I can't really say, obviously, I don't know what it is, but I mean, dude. He's in a good spot. Let's say that. Um, mm. Just probably dr- just probably drowning in it. So honestly, good for him. It's uh, that's it's pretty funny. So <laughs> I can't blame the kid. You know, I'd probably be doing the same thing <laughs> if it works. Whatever. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Can't knock him. Yeah, dude. He he's honestly the man. Like we um we had him uh, we had him on the Supergrass Companion, and he watched mm. Hunters first race, and like. He just doesn't give a fuck, dude. Like, he ordered Panda Express. <laughs> and he's, like, eating fucking Panda Express. And then, like, just losing his shit, screaming at the yeah. fucking dogs. Like, it was the biggest oh shit God. show you've ever seen. But Yeah, like, that makes me wish just, I was 18 still, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just, like, young kid, and he's just killing yeah. it. And he's got, mm. yeah, like, literally got this crazy future, you know, ahead of him. Yeah. Like... And I think that um, we're, we're going to enter a pretty cool era of motocross. You know, like I was thinking about it last night, watching, um, just like watching Jet. I was actually just watching Jet's TikTok and uh, the way that, you know, he's posting these videos and it's like, we're, we're literally about to enter the SoundCloud rap generation of motocross. Yeah. Like that, you, you're like... <laughs> it's a like good way to fucking, put it actually, yeah. <laughs> You know, you're like some fucking, you know, legit, uh, well, let's, uh, what are we going to do? Like the game and 50s, maybe what's like a bit yeah. more recent than that. But it's like, then you've got this whole like SoundCloud, you've got Trippy Red, XXX, Tenacion, <laughs> and you've got like all of these fuck little Uzi Vert, you know, like all yeah. these little fucking weirdos that are just making like this crazy music that's just going to all these people on the internet. And I feel yeah. like that's what the lights class is going to be in like the next few years. All these kids, they just got like this kooky style that not kooky in a bad way, but it's like so different yeah. to Moto. Like jets yeah. running supreme shit flat out and you know like mm. evan ferry and you've got like that there's gonna mm. be like this new wave and this new style that kind of comes through moto it's gonna be pretty sick to watch honestly I, I mean i don't think it's a bad thing i mean changing tides that happens every time you know but like this era of guys that are in there and i feel like our sport's getting younger and younger like i mean you have a two-time champ mm. you know that's 25 being coop and um you know these young kids that just start doing things so early like they get involved yeah. with like these teams at such a young age and they're so much more prepared than obviously somebody like I was at that age. So, 
Um, I mean, our sport's getting younger and younger, and it's honestly kind of cool to see the new personalities and people that I hope can take this sport, you know, to another level. Like me, obviously, I'm a little older by now, but it is honestly kind of cool to see, and it's fun. Like, these kids are kind of idiots. You know, I got a bunch of young teammates with Star, and, dude, they are so funny. Like, just being around them, like, they already have so much skill and so much talent, and they're so good, but they're still, you know, 16 to 19 years old. Like, they're just kids. They just want to be idiots, you know? So it's really, really funny to be around them. It makes me wish I was still that age. But honestly, it's a new era that's ushering in for sure. And I'm here for it. I think it's awesome, honestly. Dude, yeah, I'm the same. I think media is going to change a lot. Like we've had, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm doing my bit media-wise to try and like bring a new sort of style to it. But I think these kids are going to have the way that they interact with their fans, their type of fans. Like, dude, Jets just got a bunch of young chicks watching Supercross. Like, how the fuck did that. that happen? I mean, yeah, you dope, gotta respect it. Super dope, but like, how did that <laughs> yeah. happen? Yeah, literally. I mean, but that's just the way. It, that's just the way it works. I mean, a young kid with a lot of clout. I mean, all people care about nowadays is Instagram followers, and he has a lot. So for him, he he's probably feels like he's untouchable. An eighteen year old kid with all this clout, like, dude, DMing chicks left and right, just do whatever you gotta do. You know, like it's honestly probably pretty sick. Like, good for him, honestly. But I mean, I'm sure all these kids are that way, and it, it's cool to see. I, I'm here for it, man. I love it. Well, the one cool thing, you kind of mentioned it before, like you and Bogle, like walking in with a good fit. I mean, I've roasted that earring of yours um, that you were running, oh, yeah. was it last year, the year before? But I mean, right I roasted the fuck out of it, but I'm all <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many people have told me that? Like, dude, I have got so many DMs that are just like, you're an idiot or you're... I mean, gay or whatever the fuck, dude. People just go off on me about it. But, dude, it's honestly funny. But um, at the time, like, when I, I didn't really think anything of it. Like, I just thought it looked cool, so I did it. And, like, people just obviously have a big problem with it most of the time. And especially, I think, because our sport is an older sport, you know. So you got these old moto heads that are just, just nothing but moto and metal. And, dude, they just hate it. Like, they hate the fact that I'm, like whatever, you know, um, I guess trying to not be that. So, um, it, it is kind of funny, but dude, we just do stuff that we think is, is cool. I mean, like I, I just thought it looked cool. So I did it. And as far as like the walk-in fit picks and like all this stuff, like we just thought the shit was cool. Like we're big NBA fans. Like all these dudes do that all the time and they just have a shitload of money. So like their stuff looks pretty tight and like, we're not on that level, but we can, I mean, we can kind of baby baller it for a little bit, you know, and kind of figure it out and get what we can. But um, that was just a different aspect, a different side of things. That was kind of us. Like I wanted kids to do that, you know, like I wanted, you know, like the jets and the, you know, my younger teammates, all yeah. that stuff to do that. I mean, that's just a new era of, of things. Like none of these old dudes were doing stuff like that. So, um, that's just a small example, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be different and these kids have a new flair and new style, the way they even ride the bikes are completely different. So, um, but like I said, I'm here for it, man. I hope I can be somewhat of a catalyst in that category to try to make things a little different. Um, I'm not trying to say more pop, but just more me. I mean, this is me. This is what I like, you know? So, yeah. um, wh- whatever that is for whatever these kids just to not have to be so cookie cutter, like just do your thing, dude, have fun, like be a kid, do what you enjoy. If you want to dress like an idiot or do whatever, do it. Like who cares? Like, I don't want all these kids to think they have to do things a certain way. And, uh, our sports not like that, you know, like we're moto, it's completely different from anything else. So, uh, why not off the track too? You know, might as well make it fun and, and do do shit you enjoy. Nah, I'm all about it, dude. Like, I legit watch NBA walkout videos. Like, I'm fucking all <laughs> about good. it, dude. Like, you watch, yeah, like, the, the highlights on YouTube. Like, you motherfuckers yeah. are that sick. 
Yeah, honestly. Well, I mean, obviously they they make bread, bread, but it is cool to see. I mean, like yeah. I'm into that kind of stuff anyway, so it's uh it's honestly pretty funny. The little bit that I can do is obviously not much, but it makes it fun. Like that's stuff we enjoyed, you know, like going in in the mornings, like I said, you just have that kind of swagger and you feel all sick, whether anyone thinks you look that way or not, like you feel it. So it's like, who cares? You know, like so many people just look at you like you're an idiot. Like when we're walking in doing these picks, but I didn't really care. I was just like, we don't give a shit. Like this is fun to us, you know? So, uh, that, that was something that was really cool. And yeah, I honestly hope, you know, ushering in like a new era of kids to do whatever they want to do, whether that be that or just anything, you know, just to have fun and enjoy yeah. the process. I mean, I'm doing this with my friends, you know, like this is with my buddy, Justin, who I've been friends with since I was four. Uh, you know, my buddy, Brad Frace, who we're really, really close with. And it was just us. I mean, yeah, like we were yeah, just friends yeah. having fun, you know, like you can't really knock that. So, uh, that, that was a cool time for sure. We're gonna have to bring them back next year. No doubt about it. Hey, I'm all about that shit, dude. I'll, I'll get like Swanberg or Garth Milan and we should tee up like a crew every week for Supercross and like get them to light it and shit. And like, let's actually do like a legit fucking walkout fit picks for hey, Super 2022. I'm, I'm all I'm I, fucking down, dude. Well, I keep buying all these cool clothes and that was kind of half the problem was me and Justin were, I mean, we were on buying, you know, preem shit back in, you know, 12, 13, 14, like all this stuff for years. Like we would buy all of it and we were like, well, where are we going to wear it? Like we don't do anything cool. Like it's not like we go to parties and do all that shit. Yeah, literally. I mean, like, it's just like, (laughs) that's all we do. You know, like we're, we're busy racing and we're focused doing our thing. We can't really like show it off. And I was like, dude, I got so many cool clothes in my closet. I haven't even wore them. I was like, let's just do these walk-in. It gives me a reason to bring this shit or at least wear it. So I was like, why not? And that was literally the whole conversation we had before A1 in 2019. And that's why we did it. And it was it was honestly fun, man. It just kept kind of progressing and progressing and uh, got to a point where it was pretty cool. So I'm with it. We're going to have to do that, man. Garth or, or Swan, yeah, those, I'm, dudes, those are cool dudes anyway. So I'm with it. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be about it for sure. What brands are you into? Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. Like here lately, I've been into like some, um, like this was actually a lot of inspiration. This is my FMF line I just did of like my own little merch. And, um, there's this guy, yeah, there's this guy that, um, owns this company called one of these days and it's a, uh, it's just like a streetwear brand and it's just more like, it makes me feel at home for some reason. It's just like all a bunch of Western, like all this old, super cool decor, like just like horses and just random shit. And I think it's awesome. But um, even a dude like Russell Westbrook, he has his own line called Honor the Gift. And it's, uh, they yeah. make some really, really cool clothes. Um, I've just, I've been kind of all over the place. But anything I think is cool, I'm not one to just be like, oh, it's not this, so I can't buy it. Like if I think it's cool, I, I buy it and yeah. I wear it. So I spend way too much money on it, but I don't, uh, I don't really care. It gives me some joy. So might as well. Worst things to be addicted to, I guess. So yeah, everyone needs advice. Are you a shoe dude? Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Got a full shoe room where like the whole side is kind of, just shoes it's kind of embarrassing honestly i got somebody staying with me now and it's just nothing i mean dude there's shoes everywhere i'm like this is pretty ridiculous like i need to get rid of some shit it's bad it's taking up my whole other extra room so uh yeah we got to do some cleaning but yeah i buy way too many shoes for sure <laughs> it's bad what um what's like the shoe line that you're in uh i'm kind of all over like i have a lot of basketball influence so for me like when i was younger like i played basketball all the way through my high school years so all the way through my junior year i played high school ball yeah and uh my sister went to juco played ball um my dad he played ball all the way through high school then at this local little college he went to so um we were just into it like at a young age i would watch basketball all the time so like jordan obviously was it so we had jordan's 
throughout our whole childhood growing up and now like anytime there's a Jordan drop on this little sneakers app, I'm buying Jordans or whatever. Like I have a handful of Yeezys and, you know, some Vans I think that are tight, but, um, yeah, a bunch of Jordans. Uh, yeah, like I said, a handful of Yeezys, like some, a bunch of Stan Smiths, like just some classic clean looking shoes. And, um, yeah, I'm, I got just too much. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I got way too much <laughs> shit. I need to calm it down, but honestly, like it's, uh, it's something I enjoy doing and getting dressed up, go to dinner, do whatever. It makes it kind of fun. So, uh, that's, I guess that's why I do it. I don't, I honestly don't know. It's ridiculous. Hey, I'm with it, bro. I'm with it. I ain't mad <laughs> at it. Uh, I didn't know that you went to Juco to play fucking basketball. No, I did. My sister did. Oh, your my sister. sister went and played. Yeah. So I, I went to uh, high school all the way through 11th grade. And then, uh, last year it was, um, they essentially told me, they were like, if you miss as many days as you did last year, we're gonna have to fail you. And I was like, Ooh, not good. So, uh, we had to do online school. <clears throat> my, my last year of high school. So, um, that's why I did that. And then I, I moved up to the Rainer training facility full time, um, <clears throat> that year and started really pursuing trying to do this thing. So, um, that was kind of the idea But yeah, I enjoy going to public school, man. I played, played high school ball, did, ran track, did kind of whatever I could do and was pretty involved with stuff. So, um, but yeah, we had a, a big basketball influence in the family for sure. That was like kind of a big deal when we were younger. So, uh, that made it kind of fun, and that's kind of where my style kind of obviously has progressed and, and taken me to where I'm at now. It's probably because of that. Yeah, right. Dude, I don't think... Um, I mean, it kind of... It bums me out a little bit with Bogle. I feel like he doesn't show us enough of himself. Like, I know Bogle away from the track. Like, I had some pretty fun times with Bogle. And mm. uh, he's a fucking G, bro. Like, straight mm. up. Probably one of the... If you had to like air quotes the word cool, that's Bogle. That's pretty much yeah. like the easiest way to sum up that motherfucker. Like he is just smooth as silk. And I just yeah. <laughs> feel like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's got his reasons. Like I'd love to talk to him about it one day, but like yeah. he does not show all of him. And I feel like if, if he, I mean, I get the reasons and I mean, obviously like, you know, you can't speak for him, but I feel like he probably feels a bit of pressure to be like fit the moto box. And I feel like if your results are bad and you're like interested in rapping and like got this cool fashion and all this other mm. shit, like it's real easy for people just to start tearing you down. So I feel like yeah. that's, it's probably easier for him to hide that part of him, but like, fuck dude, not many people, are standard cool more than Justin Bogle. Like he's about yeah. as cool as it gets honestly he's one of the most like authentic um best dudes like i've ever met obviously i mean like we've been friends since we were four i mean we've been racing each other every weekend for as long as i can remember and he's genuinely just a good dude like i mean i go to him for advice yeah. on damn near everything i talk to him every day like dude he is just he's such a good guy if he's got your back he's got your back like the dude just uh they don't really make him like him anymore he's he's really a genuine dude and i mean i like i said i can't speak for him as far as um, showing us more. I mean, I kind of wish you would too. I wish you just show his face more. He's stuck in Florida right now, but man, dude, when we're together, it's, um, it's such a good time. He's such a good dude. And he, he's literally the definition of cool. I mean, he just is, he's, he's very smooth with his words, knows how to talk to people. He's got swag just out the door. So, um, I mean, we, we kind of, when we get together, it's, it's fun, you know, like we have a good time and, um, but like I said, he is, he is genuinely one of the, one of the best dudes I've ever met. Like, dude, just such a rock solid guy. Like if he, if he messes with you, like that's, I mean, that's, that's your guy, you know, like sometimes he's, uh, 
he gets the persona of, you know, kind of, I think maybe being by himself or doing whatever. But I mean, the dude just is, is genuine as it gets. And if he don't fuck with you, then he don't fuck with you. And that's just the way it is. You know, like he's not going to lie to your face about it. Like he is just such a good dude. And I respect the hell out of him. Like one of my best friends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, been that way since we were four. So long, long friendship there and much deeper, much deeper than just racing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, yeah, like I said, I understand why he probably hides a little bit of that um, side of himself. Like, it'd be so easily judged, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the sport if, you, if you're if sort of doing bad, which fucking sucks. But, I mean, yeah. I don't know. If my if my words count for anything, Bogle, show us who you are, bro, because you were G. You were straight yeah, you need up to get G. him on. You need to get him on the show, man. He's uh, he's a good talk too, for sure. He's got a lot of good insight, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, such such a good dude, man. He's got a lot of words of wisdom. So um, I miss that guy. Hopefully, I'll see him soon. I hope he comes out here and you know get gets ready and rides a little bit before Paula, and we can hang out. And he usually stays with me when he comes out here, so it's uh, it's a fun time. I miss that dude for sure. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll, de- I'll have him on in a heartbeat when he comes out here for sure. There's a mm. the whole Oklahoma clique has, was always super cool, man. Like Reynard was kind of the the matriarch of of that whole um, that whole deal. And then mm. you know you got Trey, you got the Albertsons, you got Bogle, um, mm. you know you got yourself. There there is and you know Faulkner's kind of in that crew as well. Like OK has produced some fucking legit dudes. Yeah, I mean, dude, back in that era when I was living at Robbie's was some of the most fun, um, amazing experiences of my life. Like just be, just being around the people I was around, and I uh, I talked about this I think in another podcast, but I think mainly those years like twenty twelve, thirteen, fourteen uh, were pretty crucial years as far as my career goes. Like, it was my last few years of amateur, <clears throat> first year of pro. Like I did the arena cross thing in fourteen and. Dude, so many things just did not go the way I wanted them to. But um, for me, I was around all those dudes. Like, Robbie is one of the best dudes I've ever met. Like, give you the shirt off his back kind of guy. Like, dude would do anything for me. And, um, you know, Justin was the same way because he, he's my ride or die. And being around Trey, he had such a positive perspective all the time that he couldn't really let you get too down in the dumps. He was, the per- he was like reviving me almost, you know. So just being around those dudes were, um, you know, at a good time in my life too when I was younger and I needed that good influence was, was huge for me, man. We had such a good group of guys. Like by now, you know, Trey's retired and we've all kind of split and we're doing our own things. But at that time in my life, it's exactly what I needed. Like just the people I had around me were huge and um, and it was, it was so much fun. Like we used to ride at trays all the time. Like Robbie would have us dialed at his place. And, uh, man, those were, those were some really, really fun times. And with, with really, really good people, like just the most genuine people you could get for sure. There's something definitely to be said about a state that's pretty out there and not, you know, like you guys are fairly isolated in a way mm-hmm. out there like you're away from florida you're away from california there's definitely something to be said about a group of guys that can come together for the same goal and then in terms of you know you've got great dirt you've got great tracks like there's a there's a little bit of a recipe that goes on out there and then when you get the right group of dudes around you know it's created some pretty special um you know some pretty special rides from from that state yeah i mean it it's kind of incredible when you think about it, just the fact that two guys around the same era, being me and Justin, and even Trey, really, just because he's not that much older than us, were able to come from this area 
and we rode together. I mean, we saw each other every day. It was just like one of those things where it was perfect harmony at the time. So you don't really think about it. But the fact that we've been able to do what we've done, like Trey's a, you know, East Coast Lights champion and he won an outdoor title. Justin's the East Coast Lights champion. I just won an East Coast Lights title. And for all of us to do that and kind of granted like Trey's was, you know, really early on his rookie year, but in the same kind of era as far as how old we are and just, I mean, mine was obviously quite a bit later, but it's honestly kind of crazy to think about, you know, the fact that that happened and um, the catalyst for at least me and Justin was, was Robbie Raynard, you know, and even at the time for Trey, he was uh, around and <clears throat> Robbie would help him with quite a bit of stuff off the bike, on the bike. And Trey had his own people, you know, in, in his corner, but Robbie was always there, you know, to lend a helping hand if, if he needed it. And that's what I mean. Like Robbie was just a, a good, genuine guy. And man, that was just, uh, there's a good group of us. I think we needed each other to do what we did. You know, like Trey was the first one. He kind of branched out and did it on his own, but Justin literally followed exactly in the same footsteps, rode for the same team, you know, went out and did the same things. Like that's what I wanted to do. You know, I thought that was my path too, and it just didn't work out. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it all started there and I think we needed that. Like I needed Justin to be successful in order for me to be like, wow, I can do yeah. it too. You know, like I saw that I was yeah. with this dude. Like, I feel like I can do it, you know? And, uh, that, that was huge for all of us, man, to be able to kind of just bang, 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 be able to do that. And I was around Trey and he's, he's a real genuine dude too. But I think that's what it boiled down to is they were just genuine guys, man. We wanted the best for each other. We pushed each other hard, but um, man, just good people, man. Good, good people. I can't say enough good things about all the people we had around us and, uh, yeah, made, made me who I am today for sure. So there's, there's an element of it though, where I'm sure it could go the other way where you're the last dude to do it and you've had all this shit go yeah. down in your career and it's like, um, this is the year, man, broken leg. This is the year, man, yeah. another injury. This is the year, you know, and it's like, yeah. you've seen your mates do it but you're not able to get it done until you did mm -hmm. obviously but it's like there's a there's, it's a bit of a feather in your cap that you know you've got these guys that are around you that you would see yourself on the same level with and it's like they're just you know they're winning these titles and it hasn't happened for you yet so i mean there's definitely something to be said about just uh staying in the game and and keeping the right perspective as those guys are doing it and i'm sure that you know like you being so genuinely happy for those guys probably made the process a little bit easier but i mean mm -hmm. i'm sure there's an element of like self-doubt there around you know they're doing it but you're not yet you know yeah but it that self-doubt started so long ago like <clears throat> when i tell you they had the same like trajectory and did the same things it literally started as amateurs so trey was a team green guy he goes to loretta's wins two titles in the b class signs with geico honda Justin Bogle goes to Loretta's, goes six for six, signs with Geico Honda as a B rider into his A year. So for me, as a B rider, I'm like, okay, I got to go to Loretta's. I got to win two titles and sign with Geico Honda. That didn't happen. So then for me, I'm just like, well, hmm, like that obviously didn't work. Like, let's try it again the next year. Like, maybe I can do that as, a, as an A rider and then, you know, just follow it a year later. That didn't happen. So then I'm like, well, shit, like I thought that's, you know, the way I needed to do it. That's I've seen two guys do it that way. I didn't know if it could be done any other way than what I have seen. So um, that that was kind of the where it started. And then after that, I was just like, all right, like, fuck it. My my path's just going to have to be different. Like I wanted it to be that, but I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And then I went to Arena Cross and um, that's whenever it started to click to just be like, OK, like it's definitely not going to be what I thought. 
But if I keep the right attitude and perspective, I'll get there eventually. And that's honestly what led me to, to do what I just did, you know, this past weekend and become a champion. But man, that, that path started very early to where the self doubt was like, fuck, mm. I guess I'm just not going to do it. You know, <laughs> like if it's not done that way, I guess it can't be done. And I just had this belief that I was going to do it and I was going to do it no matter what, you know, I just was like, I guess my path's going to be a little harder. I, I didn't know, but I just was like, fuck it, we're going to keep digging. And one of these days, hopefully it'll happen really. When you say, like you said a few times, like I just had this belief, 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 like where does that even come from? Because that's a weird thing in itself, right? To just like believe in some shit that you have like absolutely no control over. Yeah, I honestly think it was just um, another big catalyst for that was probably uh, Robbie and Robert Raynard. Um, You know, I started training with Robbie whenever I was... um, I think I went there for the first time in the summer, uh, like when I was out of school when I was 12, I went there for the first time. Yeah. My dad was like, maybe he can help you get a little better, you know? And then I went there every summer throughout the school years and then I moved there permanently. But Robbie used to just always tell me, like he would just reinforce the fact he was like, dude, you are so good. Like I've been around you for years. You can do it. You know, like you're, you're good enough. You have skill. Yes. It hasn't worked out the way you wanted. And you've been riddled with injuries. Even as an amateur, I was riddled with injuries and Uh, really slowed down the process of being able to build something good and it was just those people I had around me I mean he was just like dude don't quit you know like we got to do it I'll figure it out like I'll try to get some money together we'll throw you in a van and take you to the race if we have to you know like I don't care and that's just all he kept saying to me all the time and he was just constantly reassuring me every time I was like dude like I guess I'm gonna go to college like I don't know what to do you know like that summer in uh, 2014 it was uh, I raced arena cross. I didn't have a bike though. Cause they took it back. And he was like, dude, you made a little bit of money from racing arena cross, go buy a bike, you know, like, and we'll figure out the next move. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. I can't tell you, but if we have to, we will load you up in my van. I'll drive you to the race. I'll pay for your entry and you can go do what you got to do. And that's where the belief kind of started. I think like before that, you know, just for him to just be like, have so much confidence in that. I was just like, okay, there's gotta be something there if he just will not stop with it. And then obviously my family too, but you kind of expect that from your family. And then, uh, you know, I had people like Robbie, Trey and Justin just kind of keep reassuring that. And I was like, okay, I mean, fuck, if they believe it, I guess I need to start, you know, and maybe that'll be the first step of going out and doing it. So, um, honestly, just those people, man, they, they they're such good people. And kind of the reason that kind of kept me going and that's that's how I had the belief that I would do it yeah dude that's crazy so you were just writing somebody else's belief in you in you pretty much yeah I mean because at that point I was so down in the dumps that it didn't happen the way I wanted it to that I was just like man it just ain't meant to be like you know I guess I'm just not gonna be a professional supercross racer but um in my head too though I, I knew I had talent and you know I knew that what I would could do could be special if I had the right circumstance I just never had that you know like even as amateurs you know I wanted to be on you know PC at some point you know just to be like man I'm a team green guy maybe I can transition into there and I never felt like I fully got to show what I could do every time I started to get on a roll I'd win titles at these amateur races and going to Loretta's I get hurt you know I miss Loretta's two years in a row and that's all anyone cared about at the time was Loretta Lens. if you won you were sick otherwise you were nothing so Um, I I missed that race too many times and you know I always was just like fuck dude like I know I can do it I just haven't been able to show it to anybody and then even the times I did get like an arena cross dude I got my ass kicked I got waxed every time like I was not that great 
But at the time, I was like, I needed that. You know, I needed to go get beat by these dudes, like a Bauer, or Zach Ames. Like, those were my teammates at the time on Babbitts. And I was like, I just, I needed that. That woke me up pretty quick to just be like, okay, if you want to do this, like, you better get your shit together. And it's going to be a lot harder than you think it is. <laughs> and so that was the first kind of reality check to just be like, okay, I can't just coast around thinking an opportunity is going to fall on my lap and I'm going to make it happen. Like, I can't think that way anymore. And so then right after arena cross, we, that's when I just fully was like, I fuck it. I'm doing anything I got to do. And I told Robbie that too. I was like, whatever you want me to do training wise, whatever I need to do, I'll go take out a loan. I'll do anything I have to do. Like, let's go make it happen. And that, that was the biggest transition point for me for sure. Cause I always had this attitude of like, how come all these other kids are getting rides? Like, how come they're doing this? Or they show up in these motorhomes and they're sick as hell. And we're showing up in this busted ass trailer. Cause we have no money and all this stuff. And I, I constantly had this chip on my shoulder of why not me? And then once I went and yeah. kind of just got waxed in arena cross, I was like, wow, like, dude, like maybe That's you're not why. as sick as you think you are, you know, like maybe you need to get your shit together. So, uh, that reality check was good. I needed that big time. And that, that kind of put my ass in gear and, um, and then constantly having those people around me too, to reassure the fact that like, Hey dude, it's not easy. Like you're not going to get that opportunity. You got to go make one. And once I realized that, that mentally, like being a little older and kind of understanding how the world works, that it was the wake up I needed. And I'm like, okay, like, let's go to work, you know, let's go do it. And, uh, literally from, from that point on, I, I did, I mean, cause the last round of arena cross that year might've been Salt Lake, if I'm not mistaken, in some little arena. And dude, I just remember crying after the race, just being like, dude, like, this is not what I wanted, not the opportunity I wanted, but I took it cause I had nothing else. And I just shit the bed. Like I did horrible. Like I did not do good at all. I think I won uh, one race that whole season, but dude, I just got, I just got beat down. And I just remember crying in the hotel room. I got my family there and I'm just like, mate, I just, I guess this is it. You know, I, I guess I tried and it didn't work out. And then I was like, you know, went back home, had to talk with Robbie. And that's when everything's really transitioned and changed big time. It was um, literally, if I can pinpoint one spot in my career, that's, that was probably it for sure. So you almost have like a rock bottom moment and then you like give yourself up to the process because the way that you were doing it before you hit that rock bottom, it like, it obviously wasn't working. Then you have that moment and then Robbie talks to you and then you're just like, all right, dude, whatever you tell me, whatever I got to do. And it's almost mm -hmm. like you just pulled your, your own ego or whatever out of the way of that. And you were like, all right, you tell me to jump how high. Exactly. I mean, that's literally exactly what happened. Cause before that, to a point, like I'd been a team green kid for a long time as an amateur. And I always just thought that, you know, like it was just going to happen somehow, you know, without looking at it and being like, I'm going to go work harder than everybody. I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I was just like, yeah, something will happen. I mean, it's got it right. Like it happened for everyone else. Why not me? Yeah. And I just had this kind of attitude, you know, like, like a, just a shithead little kid, you know, thinking that why, you know, like it's going to happen for sure. Like I'm too good not to. And I obviously was not. So, um, I realized that path wasn't, Bogles. It wasn't canards. It wasn't dudes that were just so good and went and won everything because I'd never done that. And so, you know, whenever I did hit that rock bottom at Arena Cross, I was like, okay, it obviously ain't going to work the way I thought it was. Like, I'm going to have to go work harder than everybody. I'm going to have to go prove my point time after time again and get to a point where I feel like I can finally win. And the first step was that was getting through Arena Cross. And I was like, okay, how am I going to make money first in order to go pay to like get myself to the race? And that's when the Costa Rica opportunity came about. Uh, went and raced there all summer, made a you know a decent amount of money. That's the only thing that kind of kept me afloat that next year uh, on Crossland Honda. And 
Um, but then I got that opportunity to go race supercross. I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, like I wanted to race supercross, like arena cross was one thing. And that was such an amazing, uh, experience. And I needed that. But 2015, I was like, okay, rookie supercross season. Now I can maybe go show my potential. I've worked my ass off. I, I feel like I have a completely different outlook on life. Let's, let's go see what we can do. And luckily enough, you know, I only raced four races, five races that year. Um, but it, it drew maybe enough attention. I maybe did okay enough to do the cycle trader thing. And all I wanted was a cycle trader opportunity. I was like, I, I know I'm not going to get a factory ride, but if I can get on this bike, I know I can mm. do well. I was like, that's all I need. Just give me that opportunity. I'll go make it happen. And then I'll sign with star racing and go win a title. That's all I could think about that whole time. So, um, that was the opportunity I needed for sure. So shout out to Christina and Chris Denny, man. That was, uh, that was a, that was a big breakthrough for me. Yeah, man, dude. I, yeah, that, that's such like a legit team too, man. Like you look at the mm. guys that that produced, you know, like you and Alex, like there was some, there was some really good dudes that, that came out of that program. Yeah. I mean, even at the time too, it was one of those things where, you know, I tried the year before to get on it, but they were just like, nah, like obviously we don't even know who you are, like whatever. And so I did the crossing thing just because it was local. Dude, Guy Cooper was the team manager, like a Oklahoma legend. And that's, that's the only reason why, yeah, yeah, I even got that opportunity is because I was local too. So um, that's kind of how that worked. And that's like literally Guy had to beg and for me to be on that team. And so I got that opportunity. But then going into 16, it was, uh, once again, it was Robbie Raynard was the biggest dude about that. Cause they were supposed to sign Jimmy Dakotas in uh, 16 mm. cycle trader was, and then that fell through at literally the last minute and he signed with Geico and it, that was a last minute thing too. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, like I have to get that ride. I was like, Robbie call whoever you got to call. I'll talk to anybody. I need that bike. And then once I knew the opportunity was there and he called and begged and pleaded and, you know, told Christina, I could do it and just like, give him a shot, give him a shot. And then uh, finally they signed me at the end of November. And uh, luckily for me, there was a, a Yamaha already there. I was riding Robbie's 450 at the time, but there was a Yamaha 250 that I just hopped on and started riding. And uh, yeah, I started riding that at the end of November and came to California first of December and, you know, raced, uh, raced West Coast Supercross in January. So it was very last minute, but I didn't care. I was just like, I'll go make it happen. I don't give a shit how last minute it is. I need that bike give me that opportunity and we'll go, we'll go make the most of it. And uh, luckily I was able to do just that. So uh, that was a cool thing, weird, kind of how it all got put together, but I'm just blessed that uh, it actually came together the way it did, and I, I could show my potential. That's all I really needed, you know? What, um, well, I want to get to that cycle trader thing in a sec, but what was the Costa Rica mm. experience like? Because, I mean, dude, you got Trey doing his thing, HRC, fucking G, mm. you got Bogle doing his thing, and you're getting smoked in arena cross and then <laughs> on a plane to Costa Rica, like what the fuck yeah. did you think about your career at that point? <laughs> I honestly had no idea what to think about it. I was just like, this is fucking weird, but I mean, they're going to pay me a little bit of money to go. So why not? I guess, you know, I didn't have anything else what, to do. What was it worth? Like well, what's the first one at that point? Well, that's kind of how it happened. So that last round of arena cross was Salt Lake and the year prior yeah. in 2013, they took, Tyler Bowers and Zach Ames to Costa Rica. And I guess Ames didn't do as well as they wanted him to. Like Bowers actually won the title in 13. And so they came to me in 14. Actually, my buddy, a good buddy of mine now, Casey Huntley, he was the one in charge of like getting people down there. He was the the American yep. guy that was bringing everyone down there. And he comes to me at Salt Lake and he's like, yo, like, plug. yeah, like, are you interested in racing in Costa Rica? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, sure, I guess. Like, I ain't got nothing else to do. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to go to the first race in two weeks. 
so if you want to go, I need to know like tonight. And I'm like, okay, sure. Sign me up. And he was like, we'll pay you 500 bucks. And I'm like, all right, like say less. I, I'm making no money. So <laughs> sure. Like I'll do whatever. <laughs> so I go down there, dude, the bike is busted dude like there is rust everywhere like dude the seats hanging on by a thread like it was a shit show but I show up down there because like they didn't know I was coming it was kind of last minute and they paid me 500 bucks I went and won the first race which was kind of cool because I beat Bowers who had just kicked my ass all winter so whenever I beat him I was like okay like I know it's outdoors it's a different ball game but at least I won the race that's kind of cool so um, after I did that, they were like, okay, we'll pay you a thousand bucks to come down next time and run the whole series if you want. And it was like a nine race series. And um, dude, I had no plans. Like obviously, I, like once Arena Cross was done, I was like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do during the summer. So it just was perfect harmony. Like it came together. Uh, it was an amazing experience. Like I got to go down there with, um, you know, Bowers and all these dudes that I was friends with anyway. and. Dude, like I got to go race it's in a dope country. country, huh? Dude, unreal. Like, dude, it was like we were on vacation and we just rode a little bit on Sunday, you know? So it was, it was honestly one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Like, not a whole lot of people can say they've done that. And, um, dude, I was honestly just pumped I got to do it. Like, it was such a cool deal. And uh, I was able to win, go down there. And I went down there like nine times, I think. Uh, won the title that year. And it was just, uh, man, it was cool. Like, I know it was a Costa Rican title. But for me, I was like, shit, I ain't won anything in so long. Like, this is incredible. You know, I was so pumped on it. So, uh, that, that was a, a pretty cool thing. And then I had people that came down there too, like, um, like Nick way. And at the time his mechanic yep. was, um, uh, big nasty. And, uh, he was wrenching for way in 2014. And both of those dudes came down at the end of the year. Cause nasty was our mechanic and Nick was racing too. And, um, that honestly helped me too, because Nick came down and was like, dude, you're sick. Like you're actually fast as hell. And cause I race him each weekend. And, uh, that was another thing that kind of helped, you know, like he was coming back home, like telling people like, dude, Nichols is sick, you know, like and all this shit. So, uh, that was a really cool thing for me too. And I, I was able to use some money that I won over the first few races. And I, that's how I bought my bike back at home. I went and bought a Cowie from a dealership and, um, had a 450 to ride during the week. Cause obviously at the time I didn't have a bike. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of kept me afloat and that, that kept me moving, maybe opened some doors that maybe wouldn't have been there before. And that was just, man, it was a badass experience. I can't say enough about those people. It was really, really cool to go do that for sure. Yeah. That's so cool, man. I mean, that kind of brings me to something I wanted to get your perspective on because it seems like the, the dudes that are winning the titles. So like yourself got smoked in arena cross a Costa Rican title revived your career. Then you've got <laughs> Justin Cooper went to, you know, did high school all the way. I mean, he probably had a more traditional route that, than you did. You've got mm. Coop that's now a two-time champ that was literally getting smoked by AC for his entire career. Like, yeah, Coop had rides at every step of the way, but he was he got, like, worked, man, for, like, basically his whole life. And mm. it's like this amateur system that we've got is so well okay i'm throw another one in there jet and hunter lawrence like dude hunter lawrence mm. just shoveled shit in europe on like the biggest fucking piece of shit bike at mm. the you know world championships just to like try and make it happen and then jet mm. is just like riding around on whatever hunter's on and then you know you can see what those two are doing now it's like is this perfect mold or like the way that we're trying to groom these champions are we are we making are we trying to make these like perfect sculptures when we really should be kind of like 
letting nature take its course almost you know like what where do you land on that <clears throat> yeah my opinion will probably differ from a lot of people just because of the way i came through it like the amateur scene anyway like but you were for me for now, the long- baby so you can talk that shit yeah exactly but for me like it was um I always just thought, man, like they got better bikes than me. They're whatever. They're this or that, whatever, which was probably true. But at the same time, like I could have went and done it if I was just better, but I wasn't. But uh, it's kind of a catch 22 because like I said earlier, you have this new like crop of kids that are sick and the sport is getting younger. So like you like even me, like Nick Romano started training with us when he was 14 or 15. Like the kid was so young and yet he's doing the same program that I'm doing a 26 year old kid like trying to make it happen still. And for me, that's crazy to think about, but I'm like, okay, like this is obviously a ginormous head start for a kid like this. All the amateur kids that have come through the star system is like, it's huge, but it's a great thing. But at the same time, dude, I think it's horrible in a sense because you have some guys like that get factory rides, like straight out of amateurs or or whatever the case may be. And they're on a team for a year, maybe two. And if they shit the bed, they're out, dude. Like you never see them again. You're just like, how is that possible? But that goes to the old thing of like, maybe you needed to wait a minute, you know, like these kids are still kids. Like they're just getting on big bikes. Now a lot of them get signed when they're on eighties or super minis or whatever. And to me, that's ridiculous, dude. Like you, for me, I was a diamond in the rough. I was in the rough though, like the big rough. So like, yeah. it was obviously a lot harder to spot, but you almost out like, of bounds. Yeah, literally. But for a dude like Justin Cooper, even he didn't get his ride till I think his a year of amateurs and dude he didn't really ever win anything as amateurs 60s 80s all that stuff like the kid was good obviously but then all of a sudden he just starts dominating and just won everything in the b class and you're like who the hell is this kid you know like he's sick he's figured it out and sometimes i think you need that like i think they sign the kids a touch too early before you can really see who they are because these kids need to develop dude they're still kids they're boys you know like they need to get a little older like figure out if this is exactly what they want to do or if it's just what their parents want them to do or um, you know, just how they progress as racers, how they grow up as men, like the influences that are around them, like who these people are, like, I think is huge. And, um, dude, I think it's, it's so overlooked. Like luckily with this team with star, I feel like they've done a really great job of really going a little deeper to find out who these kids are. But man, I, I think it's tough when you sign kids that early, like, dude, it's just, I feel like it's so hard. Cause you never know. I mean, like even a dude, like, uh, I use Censorello for an example, because, he was the hope, you know, like he was Cowie's hope. Like they signed him from such an early age. And I mean, I'm not trying and to ever dumped cash. Yeah. A lot of cash. And I would never, um, you know, try to like back Adam cause dude, he is such a good guy. And I love Adam. I'm a huge Censorello fan, but if Same. you were, you know, whenever he was 12, 13 or whatever, like looking at his future, you would have thought he had won 10 titles, you know, like multi-time champ doing all this stuff. And dude, the, the guy's accomplished a lot. I'm like, I said, I'm not bagging him at all. But if you're Cowie, you had to expect like, dude, I mean, the first year he's leading the points, you know, like he won all these races, he did all this, all this stuff. And then you get riddled with injuries and things happen. And that's, that's not on anybody. That's just part of the sport. It's just the way it works. But whenever you dump everything into one hope thinking it's going to work, like, dude, it doesn't always work. Like it's, it's tough. Like this sport will, you know, chew you up and spit you out quick. And, And no matter what, no matter how sick you are, like, it's just the way it is, but that's a true testament to Adam. He just kept going, just kept digging, kept digging, kept digging, and then won that outdoor title. And 
now riding for factory cowie like the dude's doing it so just mad respect to him because he was in he was in it too you know like he was pretty deep in the dumps but yeah the amateur system is is tough man i, I wish it could be a little more even landscape for people um to really show their potential i mean even me like if i was going up to the line and i got a busted ass cowie or whatever the bike i'm riding and I, you know, I look over and I see Romano on a star racing Yamaha. I'm just like, fuck, I'm instantly beat by that guy, you yeah. know? So, uh, that's probably yeah. the attitude a lot of these kids have, but that, that kind of sucks too. Cause then you don't, you don't really see, you know, that potential that much. And that's not a bag on any of our kids either. It's just, they were in a good spot and that's the way the sport is at the time. So I can't take anything away from those guys, but, um, it's just a weird spot, man. It, the amateur scene's tough. Like I almost feel like there should be a little more. Uh, maybe regulation to kind of handle things. I don't really know what the right answer is, but yeah, it's um, that, that's kind of a kind of a weird landscape to try to figure that one out for sure. Yeah, I definitely think it. Um, I definitely think it's a weird model, man. Like it's a super super broken model, and and pretty much like what you said straight up about like you get two years and that's it. So it's like you work mm-hmm. fifteen years of your life. Your parents put in everything. These companies pump in like bulk cash to a young kid's career and then it's like you do two years and then you don't do good okay cool well you're not on the team now because we've already got Mm. these 10 other kids in the ams and then it's like there's Mm. no preparation like you've just been literally given everything you're entitled like carson mumford perfect example Mm. this year you know what i mean Mm. like he struggled and it's like that dude's a great rider he's a great kid he's a great Mm. rider but it's like you've had everything your entire life and then they like take that away and it's like okay you've got three months now to figure out how to race motocross alone Mm -hmm. you've never had to race motocross alone before um Mm -hmm. but here it is but it's like i feel it in your case man you've seen everything you've done arena cross Mm -hmm. you've gone to costa rica you've had rides you've had shit boxes you've bought your own bikes you've borrowed people's bike like this whole mm. you know it's kind of like what we were talking about before you know like you're a gangster dude you've proved now that you can stick it out you could you've proved you've been through these tough times like there's all of mm. this extra character development that's gone on in your life as a result mm. of you not being a part of the system mm-hmm. yeah i mean because the system is is tough to even get involved in in the first place so like when you're not dude it's it's such a knock because like i mean even me like obviously i was down in the dumps and the only reason why it works because i had good people around me you know like kind of what i was saying earlier that kind of literally just kept me going but dude some of these kids don't have that and they have all the talent and skill in the world and i'm just like it's so hard to say because who knows maybe they would go shit the bed too you know i have no idea but um for me looking at it from the perspective i have is a lot different than a lot of guys i mean my whole career i raced against zach bell who kicked my ass every time no questions asked he dude, i mean he's i never a beat right example dude he crushed it like was he won everything there was to win and then he moves up to big bikes gets a geico ride does all the stuff and he didn't produce like they wanted him to see you later you know like okay <laughs> you know like maybe if you guys like would have tried to um you know maybe assess that situation a little better maybe it would have been different you know but it wasn't and that's just the way it works sometimes like even uh matt bachelia you know same thing he came through that program and yeah um, had a few years Horizon didn't really do winner. what they wanted yeah see you later you know so it's just it's tough because it doesn't always go that way but um sometimes it does you know and that's just what i mean by the sport you you never know who's going to produce 
at the level you need them to produce. I mean, people just go about it such different ways and mine's probably on the extreme side of it, but I mean, even a, you know, a Zach Osborne, like see you later. He went to, he went to MXGP at nothing. He comes back. He just, you know, he was a fighter and the dude comes back and and wins a lot. Um, And he's a 450 outdoor champ. I never would have thought that coming out of amateurs when Osborne had nothing, he goes to MXGP and I'm like, we'll never see this dude again. And he comes back and dude, dude's won like four titles. So, uh, I mean, you just never know. It all is in the character of the person. I think what kind of guy you are and uh, how you respond to some adversity because everyone's going to face it. So uh, that that's a big part of it too. But um, yeah, man, that that system is really tough. I to me personally, I wish you could go through an amateur to where these teams can't sign kids and give them this equipment and do anything with anybody. Like yeah, you can help them get to the race and do whatever. I think that's a huge part of it, but. Um, as far as equipment and a level playing field, I think that shouldn't be until after your B year. Cause most of these kids are so young yeah. now when they're racing the intermediate class, it's like, dude, like give them that year, make everything as equal as you can get it. Like even playing field, let's, let's see who's going to rise to the top, you know? And then you kind of see, um, the true character of these kids, you know, like they're, they're faced with some stuff and then, then you can make your decision. Like, okay, we want to sign them to a one year pro deal, then take them to pros. Like, to me, that's realistic because then you can see them. Like, the kid's a little older. They get it, you know, but they're probably 15, 16, 17, whatever. Um, then I feel like you can really assess them. But do when they're 12, like, you can't tell me you really know what a kid's going to be like when they're, like, 12 yeah. or 13. You just don't. Like, I, th- I mean, they're still boys. So uh, that's where I think it gets a little flawed, you know, when they do it that young. But um, for me, if you could do it that way, that seems like the most realistic best way to do it but it's just not done that way unfortunately but um who knows maybe that'll change in the future but for now yeah the system is just it's a system that's for sure it's different yeah and and so what do you think about um i personally so there's been a couple things that i've spoken about recently in terms of the sport so i think that the cameron mcadoo crash at atlanta one kind of to me i was like ah okay bing there's some red flags here one was the fact that you can crash and be the cause of a red flag and then restart the race like not to take away the ride that we saw from mcadoo was one of the most like dope heroic things i've ever seen in Mm. motocross i was like holy fuck bro you just cemented g status in one night for the rest of your career Mm. so on like that hand i'm like that's so dope on the next hand i'm like you probably shouldn't have been allowed to ride bro a you Mm. were knocked out like when your body goes limp the way that he did you're out Mm. and then it's like so that's there's probably an issue there and then there's Mm. probably an issue with the fact that you caused a red flag restarted the race have the ability like the points you know in Mm. theory you could go out crash with two whoops to go lay on the track underneath your bike like cause a restart and then mm. hobble away and you know like hobble your way to the to the start mm. line get the whole shot win the, so there's some like kind of weird shit going yeah. on there but yeah, i think it sort ca- of speaks like just that oh sorry go ahead no go ahead finish what you had to say um no i just i think it speaks to like a few kind of holes in the system it's like a mm. it sort of shows the pressure like it's a seven race series for the for the lights class so it's like you just literally can't drop a race like McAdoo. Mm could have had a lot of shit busted and he still would have had to go out and do that race to keep his championship alive respect mm-hmm. again not taken yep. away from him but it's like damn if a dude's hit his head like that and then we kind of saw the results of it like a couple of weeks later like he wasn't right like there was a lot of crashes that went down after that 
Um, mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, okay, maybe we need to look at, and and then, you know, the fact that there's like four of you dudes on the east and then there's a few dudes on the west that kind of rise above and then everyone else is kind of like a ways back. So it's like, do we need to just change this whole landscape where the lights class does every race and you've got the east and the west together and then we go to some kind of like point system where you can like drop your worst result at the, you know, like before the last round, they tally the points, but the, the worst result gets dropped. So like, let's say you go mm. out and knock your head bad and it's like, yeah, you could race, but it's not safe for you to do that. If you take another impact mm. to the head, the second impact, you know, like there's some real health problems there. So it's like, yeah. look, we do the drop a race thing. We take away that where it's like, okay, you're fucked though now because you can't DNF. You can't have a bike. You can't have another crash. Like this is your only mm. mulligan, but you're safe. You can sit this night out. You can rest. You can do the proper protocols and the pressure's yeah. not there for the team, for the series, for all that sort of stuff. And then you've got, that would only work if the East and West ran the whole series together. And then it's like, Mm. then you've got that class there because the lights class isn't a development class anymore. Like you guys are full blown, like as legit as anybody that's on the track. And then Mm. maybe do we run instead of the lights class being East West, do we run like a development class where, you know, you have to, it's like 16 to 18 and then you're in that development Mm. class. It's like you only run half the coast, a shorter mains and then like you know you kind of mess with the night program so it's like pretty much just racing like the qualities Mm. are done or you don't see you know what i mean like i just feel like there's room now to like let's mess with this a bit so that it's like a it's safer b we're not having kids turn pro at 16 and then feel Mm. like this crazy pressure because it's a seven round series i mean you can make all the arguments about like, well, that's fucking what we want to see, bro. We want to see the best, bro. Like, you know, you yeah, can kind of have yeah. that attitude. Um, yeah. Or it's like, you could think about it. It's like, man, we could take some big pressure off the amateurs. We could make it a lot safer if you do have one of those nights where you hit your head. So mm. I don't know. I just feel like, and as a guy now that's like raced for so long, raced so many places, had the, the mm. I guess, the backstory to get to this point. It's like, I I'd be interested for your perspective on those kind of ideas to make things better. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the, <clears throat> you know, the the right answer, I think, to try to do it all. But, I mean, from my perspective, seeing, um, you know, even what, what we saw with Cameron, that was unfortunate just because it's like, you know that dude's probably not right at the time. You know, like he's probably fumbling around. Mm. He's still trying to gather his shit. Like he doesn't even know where he's at probably like, um, you, you know, I don't know, maybe he wasn't knocked out to me. It looked like he definitely was a little limp for a second, but, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what this situation was, but it's, it is a lot of pressure when it's just a, a seven to nine race series. Um, that's what makes it tough. You can't have those drops. Like for a guy like me, I don't want that. You know, like I had nine solid races. That's why mm. I won the title. So for me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, consistency won. And, you know, sometimes maybe I wasn't the fastest, but a lot of times I was, you know, and I was able to win those races. So um, it's kind of a catch 22. Like you can look at it both ways. Like a lot of seasons, I wish I would have had that mulligan, you know, where I could have dropped that race and just mm. going, man, I would have been way better off without that one, you know? So uh, it really just depends on the spot you're at, but, um, you know, the lights being together and, you know, doing some stuff like that. It's, um, I don't know, man, like, it, it's definitely not like what you're saying. It's not a developmental class anymore. I feel like, you know, we're 
doing everything about as good as you can do it. And that stems just from these kids getting started at such a younger age with trainers and being around fast guys and, you know, doing all that stuff and being able to see it firsthand. Like even do like Nate Thrasher, like dude came through, rode with us yeah. every day, you know, like he did all the stuff and he went and won two races. You know what I mean? Like the dude's good. He's ready. Yeah. But you know, sometimes these kids aren't, you know, when they're 16 or 17 and they need those years. Like for me, I needed to mature. I wasn't a man yet. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't do shit on my own. So I needed those extra years. And that's why the arena cross and the Costa Rica were so crucial for me at the time. Cause I needed that. Some some kids don't. It just depends on the kid. But um, that's where I think that system. Yeah, it definitely could be changed. I don't know what the right answer is. Like I don't know if doing seventeen rounds lights east and west together is the move. Like I, I don't know. You know, maybe that would be sick, and maybe it would work really really well. I don't know until you know we try it. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be different. But for now, it's just the way Supercross works. It's the way it's been since the fucking seventies. You know, it's the same thing. So yeah. uh, I'm sure in the future it'll start to progress, just like anything else. Like the young kids come in, new ideas, you know, new management, new new kind of everything, and that takes you a certain direction. But man, it's been the same people in the same positions for so long, as far as who runs Supercross, who makes the decisions, who does all the stuff. That it's not going to change, you know, until that does. So. Um, I'm not even saying it needs to, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it would be better, um, you know, if we ran everything together, but, um, you know, kind of going back to the health thing too, like the, the head is, is scary. That's the one thing I feel like that is very, you know, not really, uh, shown enough in our sport is like, dude, like yeah. you hit your head. It sucks. I mean, you hear about all these football players that do nothing but just mash their heads all the time, you know, and they're suffering from, yeah. uh, wh- whatever that brain disease is. I can't even remember, but CTE. um, yeah, yeah, all these dudes are suffering from that. Once they retire, you know, it's it's messing with their emotions or they can't even function as humans anymore. And, um, dude, that's scary. And us, like, we, I mean, we wear our crash helmets. You know, it's like Formula One drivers, any of these dudes that you put on a crash helmet to do your job, like, it's it's scary, you know. And that risk of hitting your head is is something else. You know, like, you, uh, you hit your head, you only get one of those. You can't really replace it. You break your arm, it'll heal. You know, like, that shit will go back together, take off, you're good to go. So um, that, I think, definitely needs to be a little more strict. Um, and there needs to be a little more understanding, a little more knowledge about that. Um, but yeah, as far as the series go, man, I, I, I'm not real sure. I don't know what that magic thing is to make it and to take it to another level, um, you know, to draw in more sponsors and, you know, maybe be, uh, just a bigger sport in general. Cause that's all I want to see. I want to see the sport progress. I want to try to lead it if I can and, um, get it to a point where it's like that. But I don't know. I don't know what that magic thing is. You know, maybe, maybe that would be it, but I think it'd be kind of cool. I mean, especially now that kids are getting started so young, like you got to do like, uh, like a Hayden Deegan, you know, he's got to practice a supercross practice track in his backyard. Like kids going to be prepared by the time he comes to race supercross, like he will yeah. be ready for what he's about to face, you know? And uh, a lot of other kids don't have that, you know? So it really just depends on the situation. But, um, I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea really. I don't I don't know if it would work or not, but I mean, hell might as well try and see if it does. Yeah, the, the head thing's gnarly, man, because, like, we, I don't think we've really seen, like, the full effects of, you know, like, the NFL, we've got, like, old dudes now. Like, we have mm-hmm. a sample group in the NFL yeah. to be like, okay, CTE's real, OJ probably fucking killed his wife because of it, yeah. you know, like, yeah. there's been dudes, like, there was a guy who played for the San Diego Chargers, and, uh, Fuck, I'm spacing on his name, dude. He drove his car off a cliff and, like, had a letter that said, like, donate my brain to um, CTE Medical Research. 
He's like one yeah. of the Chargers all-time greats, dude. Killed himself and said, like, I can't live like this. My brain is not okay. Like, I'm not right. He was like, yeah. there was some big-time behavioral problems that this guy had had. Yeah. And the, the problem is, was like, while the brain is alive and functioning, you can't do the CTE scans and tests and actually see the level mm-hmm. of trauma that your brain's got. It's only post-mortem that you can actually... Mm-hmm. Uh, identify CTE so yeah this dude yeah. killed himself and donated his brain so that's how real of a thing yeah. this is and I I think that you know you look at um, Dave Mirror was probably the first gnarly case mm. of like that's probably some head injury stuff that's going on here yeah. Um, yeah so yeah I mean it's just like one of those things where Moto cannot put its head in the sand like dude I haven't rode in two weeks because I got a fucking concussion I suck. Mm. Like, I'm not that good at riding. And it's <laughs> like everyone that rides really mm. needs to... It can happen to anybody, you know? Like, I just washed yeah. the front coming into a turn, slapped real quick, and I was fucking mm. out, you know? Like, it was not a good deal. And now I give myself a lot of time. You know, like that yeah. week, man, I struggled so bad. I couldn't look at screens and, you know, shit like yeah. that. But, yeah, so I think that we've kind of got our head in the sand a tiny bit with it. And I think that it's definitely something that we should take serious. But also, what a fucking ad for Moto Ten <laughs> with Cameron honestly. McAdoo, dude. Yeah, honestly, yeah, incredible. <laughs> right? But I mean, I they, they are making strides. I think like we're we're doing things like from a helmet side of things to get to get it better yeah, and try definitely. to help and do all this stuff. Like we're we're making strides for sure. Um, you know, with I think Bell's you know a good main catalyst for all that. Like they're really doing their homework to try Big to time. fix it. But it's just man, if you hit your head and or you break your arm you go to a doctor he's like yeah six to eight weeks for it to heal and you can you can see it you know like you can see the bone healing and then you go back in six or eight weeks and you see it's fully together and you know you're okay like your brain you can't do that like you don't know like i mean you take some time off and then the way you do it is you know the old way of doing it is like okay get your heart rate up go on a bike ride go on a run do something if you get dizzy you're not ready yet you know it's just like there's got to be a better way (laughs) there's got to be something to where you can have a timeline better or just something and um dude it's honestly crazy like it's pretty overlooked and then it kind of sucks too because as, as dirt bike racers you um you know we're supposed to be tough as nails right so you hit your head, you do all this shit or whatever. You just, you want to get back in the saddle. You want to go again and you don't want to feel like a pussy. So you're like, yeah, I'll go out and race. Like I'll do whatever I got to do. Is it the safest thing? No. Like dude, so many times you should definitely take more time off than you do, but you feel kind of forced to do it. Cause you're just like, okay, well I don't want to look like a bitch. So I'm going to go. And that's not <laughs> the best way to go about doing things. Cause, um, man, the brain's nothing to play with. It's, it's a tough thing. And, um, man, it's just, it sucks. Guys hit their head and, you know, we just don't know enough about it yet. I mean, I just watched that thing on Netflix about Aaron Hernandez and he had this crazy, you know, CTE oh, and it was just, dude, it dude, was mind blowing. Dude, he's probably another you know? one. Yeah. I mean, he, a hundred percent, like they're showing this, the, his brain afterwards and they're like, this is what a normal brain should look like. And here's his and dude, it's insane. Like how different it looks. And you don't know how much that affects emotion. Um, you know, like the way you go about your life, how you think about things like you're, you know, how you're going to react to certain situations like that all plays into that. And man, it, it's honestly mind blowing. Like the first time I watched that, cause I it came out a few years ago and I was just like, holy shit. Like that was the first time I really knew CTE like was that big of a thing. And I'm like, wow, dude. So I immediately did some research on it and I'm looking all the stuff up and I'm just like, damn, like it's a bigger deal than I thought it was. So 
Um, and then it made me, it made me think like, okay, well <laughs> I, I've hit my head. I mean, everyone that races has, you know? So, uh, I think yeah. it's just, we need more knowledge about it. We need to figure out how to handle it a little better, but, um, it's definitely, it's tough, man. It's just, I don't know how to go about doing it better, but someone needs to for sure. Yeah. Hey, can I take a piss break real quick? Go ahead. Yeah. You're good. Had to have one. Ain't too. easy being hydrated, bro. No, it sure ain't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little dehydrated, dude. Outdoors hits different. Jesus Christ. A lower back yeah, is man, shot. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> uh, um, so I wanted to talk a bit about star racing Yamaha. So you said, mm-hmm. you're like, dude, I just want to get on that cycle trader bike. Because Yamaha figured something out with that 250. That thing is bullshit mm-hmm. good. Like for a stock bike... There's probably not a better stock motorcycle than a YZ250F. So, like, Mm. was that a factor in that wanting to be at Cycle Trader? Like, did you know, was it just that team or was it that bike in particular where you're like, I got to be on that particular stock base package? Yeah, it was just that bike in particular, 100%. Like, I had, um, sorry, friends, uh, friends that trained at Robbie's that had Yamaha's um and obviously at the time I didn't have I didn't have a bike so I would just kind of ride whatever somebody would let me ride for the day and uh, I rode the mm-hmm. Yamaha 250 and I'm like holy hell you know like I just spent 2015 on this Crossland Honda and I ride the stock bike and it's just unbelievable I was like I can't believe how good it is so uh for me once I realized like Dude, how sick it was Honda to that Yamaha yeah I was like holy shit so and then obviously the success the team had at the time like they you know my buddy Coop was on it they were crushing it he was winning things left and right they seemed like that new bike ever since they got away from the carbureted Yamaha and they went to this bike it was unreal like they just started winning everything so I was like there's got to be something there and you know whenever i did the cycle trader thing that was that was always the goal like that was going to be the stepping stone to try to get to star i mean and how i got that ride was i was out here in california living with justin and that year on cycle trader because i did west coast and anytime i heard they were going to milestone i went to milestone like and i hopped in behind them every time i hopped in front of them i did whatever i had to do just to be like dude this kid's annoying but i just wanted to get in the way like i'm sure they were probably pissed but dude i was like i gotta go prove my point somehow that i can ride this bike and i want to be on this team that's, and that's literally so how it happened. sick dude like gareth swanapool obviously was training all those guys at the time ap coop and dude i one day in particular i was just feeling it at milestone and uh Dude, I, I got in front of those dudes and I just walked away from them, like Coop, everybody. And that was literally that day Gareth told me he called Bobby on the phone and was like, dude, we got to sign this kid. Like, dude's sick. Like, he just waxed all of our dudes at Milestone. And I was a Milestone assassin because that's the only track I could ride. Like, I couldn't go to Yamaha at the time. So I was there every day. And anytime they went anywhere else, I followed them. And I just constantly was doing that. And they probably hated it. But that's literally how that happened. That's how it came together. I was just that guy. And uh, and it happened to work out that, that way. Is but so yeah, that bike sick. is unreal. Yeah. That's literally how it happened. It's pretty funny. Like when, when Swanee told me that, I was like, wow, that's uh, exactly what I wanted to happen. I didn't think it would, but that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Dude, that's some legit G shit right there. Yeah, I just uh, got to do what you got to do sometimes. Not not the best way to do it, but uh, at the time, I just thought that was the only way I could do it. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to get in behind those dudes. And I kind of, obviously, I was friends with Coop. So I used that as my in a little bit. And 
I was just like, yo, where y'all going today? And he was like, oh, we're going to Milestone. I'm like, all right, I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll hop in behind you too. That's you know? so <laughs> try to give you some smoke or do whatever I can do, you know, uh, just to try to get some attention of somebody. And uh, luckily it worked. Dude, that's insane. I had no idea. Like, man, there was always those guys that were like pull in front of the boys at the track and you're just like, fuck off, bro. Yeah, <laughs> literally just hate them. And that's why I, did, I really <laughs> didn't want to be that guy. I, I really didn't. But I was like, dude, I got to do something like I don't want to be annoying. And I, you know, I never really did anything too crazy where I just hop in right in front of them or whatever. But they would go by in a freight mm. train, you know, because they all train together. And I'm just starting my moto and I'm hopping in right behind them. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just get as close as I can to them, see what happens. And, uh, you know, that that's how I got the attention. And then, like I said, I had Coop as a little bit of an in there, you know, to try to figure out where they were going so I could follow them around. But uh, that was literally how it happened. And then I got I got second place at Oakland uh, the cycle trader year. And then right after that, like I, the race was Saturday night, Sunday, Bobby called me. I was like, hey, dude, I heard yeah. you've been ripping at, at Milestone. Like you just got on the podium. We want you to come ride for star racing. And in that moment, I was like, holy shit, it worked. I was like, I cannot believe that that worked. Like, honestly, couldn't believe it. And then the first time I talked to Swanee on the phone and, um, you know, he was going to be my trainer for the next year because obviously he trained all the all the dudes and he was telling me that story. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me. I was like, I literally hope that that would happen. I cannot believe it worked that way. Like, that's incredible. Like, it was just it was honestly one of those moments where I was like, ah, it worked. You know, I cannot believe it worked that way, but it did. Dude, I'm tripping. Like, that's an insanely cool story, man. Like, you don't hear that much. No, it was, uh, it was wild. Because I kind of halfway tried to do that before, um, crossing Honda days. We came out here and rode a little bit, but I just wasn't ready to do that yet. You know, I didn't have enough Supercross experience. I wasn't at a point that I, um, I needed to do that yet. And then once I got on the Cycle Trader bike and I felt fast and good and, um, I knew I was good at that point. You know, I felt like I'd done what I needed to do and I'd put in the work and I knew I was going fast. So I was like, okay, let's do it now. Like what better time to do it than right now? That's the team I want to be on. So I'm just going to go out there and try to annoy these guys until they give me a ride. And, um, that's literally exactly what happened. That podium obviously was the thing that kind of set it off. But, uh, before that I was definitely trying to make my point as much as I could. And, um, yeah, I got on the podium and that's exactly what I needed. That was the big breakthrough. That's, that's what we needed to, to actually get on the team. So, uh, yeah, it was a, kind of a cool story looking back on it now, the way it played out to get to where I'm at for sure. Man, yeah, that's insane. And so what was the phone call like from Bobby Reagan? Like, do you remember the way that you felt and do you remember how the conversation went down and like the emotions that, cause like that's the phone call dude. That's like, that's the mm-hmm. one that you need to have. Yeah. I mean that, that was the one, that's the only one I care. That's the one I wanted. You know, I'm like, I need Bobby Reagan to call me and uh that Sunday he he was the first one to actually call me and then that Monday or Tuesday you know I got a call from Tyler Keefe and uh you know from a handful of these other teams trying to do something and my mind was my my mind was made up you know in 2015 you know what team I was going to I didn't care about the money I mean it was going to be cool but I wasn't going to go somewhere else over fifty thousand dollars I was like I don't care I'll I just want that bike and then after that we'll figure it out but yeah when Bobby called me man he was um He's a, he's a pretty straightforward dude. Like you never are wondering where his head's at. He's going to tell you. And I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. And I didn't really know him obviously before, but whenever he called me, he, uh, he straight up was just like, listen, we, um, we want you to ride for this team. I feel like you're a damn good supercross rider. We want to go see if you can give us a title. Um, 
you know, and, and we're, we're going to make this thing happen. And he was so confident in the fact that I was going to ride for that team and I was going to win and I was going to do all this shit that I didn't question it. I was just like, yeah, hundred percent. Let's go. <laughs> like so I'll, I'll be there tomorrow, you know, <laughs> like let's sign the bitch and let's go. And, uh, that's literally what happened. We negotiated a little bit and, you know, because I did have some other teams that were interested, but, um, like I said, my mind was pretty made up from the get go. And once I signed with a team, it was pretty like, wow. You know, and my dad was obviously losing it. He was like, dude, you made it. And I'm like, well, we didn't make it, but I mean, this is the first step in getting to where we want to go, you know, like being on a factory team is a sick. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a big moment for me. And that phone call with Bobby was something, something I'll probably never forget, you know, just how he was so confident in the fact that I was going to come to this team and, I was going to train with this guy and the bike is so good and the program's so sick that I'm going to go make it happen. And I'm just like, let's go. Like I'm ready for whatever. Let's, let's give it a shot, you know? And, uh, that, that was a pretty, pretty damn cool feeling. Man, I can't even imagine. That's so cool. Like, and to, mm-hmm. to just like, to know that you deserve something when you get it. Like I've gotten mm-hmm. cool shit before where I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, it's fucking cool. But like, I kind of got lucky. Like, that yeah. I got given that. <laughs> but when you get yeah. something that you really earn, you're like, I fucking deserve this, bro. Like, that's a yeah. cool feeling. Yeah, it was, man. It was just one of those things where I was just like, Jesus Christ, finally. You know, like I thought this was going to happen five years ago, you know, and it didn't. But whenever I did get that phone call and I finally signed that contract and sent it back, I was like, God damn, like that is huge. Like I needed that for so long. I, find, I mean, I worked my ass off to get that. I, I had to go to Costa Rica. I did arena cross. Like, I did all this shit, and th- it was for this. It was for this whole thing. I mean, this was the plan from the get-go, you know, and the fact that it happened like that, I just was uh, – I was in awe for a while. I really was. Like, the rest of the Supercross season, I was riding on a high. I was like, no one can touch me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I might go get fourth tonight, but I'm signing with Star Racing, and I'm going to be there next year. I don't care. Like, this is sick. So, uh, yeah, it was just – man, it was incredible. It was, uh, in a sense, sad. You know, I had to leave Robbie and – a guy I'd been with for years and a guy that really took me through the trenches to get to that point. And, you know, then I'd, you know, go train with Swanee and do all this stuff. But, uh, he was genuinely happy for me. You know, that's how, you know, you got Mm. good people around you where he wasn't like salty. He was just like, man, you know, if it's going to take you to the next level, I want you to do it. You know, I want you to go do that, you know, and, uh, and go try to chase this dream. And man, that's, uh, that was just a kudos to him because he, he could have been salty about it. You know, he'd got me to that point and dude, I was eating his food and living in his house for free and like, we couldn't pay him to be at a training facility, you know, like most of these kids can, but, um, he was just like, dude, I'll, I'll do whatever I can for you. Like come live in my house. Like, you know, we'll pay for the groceries. I didn't, I, I didn't buy shit when I was there. I, I couldn't, I had no money, you know? So like, he literally just had to dad me around like him and his wife, Ashley, um, were essentially my second parents. And, um, did everything they could for me. And then when it was time, you know, I had to leave and he was genuinely happy for me, which was, uh, which was pretty cool. You know, it was sad at the same time, but it was, it was a cool thing that it happened that way. And I got to go, uh, be on star and try to make it happen. That's so sick, dude, man. I, mm-hmm. um, when I was in America, I was, I was fucking broke. Like it's kind of ironic mm-hmm. how this thing worked. Like we're literally you're sitting like where I fucking used to live and was trying to make <laughs> shit happen for so long. And then now I'm in Australia, like doing this, you know, mm-hmm. podcast sort of where I was trying for so long to make shit happen. And then I was yeah. that like, I was so fucking broke over there and I had yeah same shit, like never paid rent at fucking the houses I was at because people were like mm-hmm. trying to help me like pull the shit yeah. off, you know? And the fucking guilt that I felt, and I'm sure being the dude that you are like you would have felt the same thing of like 
the guilt of people just giving and giving and giving and giving mm-hmm. and you can't give anything back like dude that is the mm-hmm. shittest feeling to live with dude it really is and I was also too a little younger you know whenever I was with Robbie and he was such a dad that it not that I expected it but it happened for so long that you don't realize it you know and then I left and I come to California and I'm by myself you know I'm I'm out here trying to live the dream if you will you know riding for a factory team doing all this shit and I don't know anybody so like when you realize you're not around people that really really have your best intention is when you're just like holy shit you know like you take that for granted and I really did you know because afterwards man I, I came back to visit Robbie's for the first time after leaving you know that year and I was just like, bro, I'm sorry. Like, I was probably a fucking shithead kid. I didn't realize yeah. how much you were doing for me. And, dude, I am so sorry. And just, like, thank you. You know, like, I, I didn't realize at the time. But it was just such a big wake-up call. You know, when I came out here and you always think the grass is greener on the other side. And you go and you're just like, hmm, maybe isn't what you thought it was. But, um, and, and not a knock towards the team because it was greener. It was, everything was amazing. You know, everything was awesome. But I had oh, such I'm good totally people around me. Yeah, I had such good people around me in Oklahoma that I just didn't realize it. I mean, I had everything I needed. You know, you just think, though, that, man, there's like there's got to be better. It's got to be something better. And it's, you know, sometimes it's not. So um, and that that was huge. And even like this weekend, I pulled off the track. Um, the first person I see is my mom. And I'm, I'm kind of crying. You know, when I see her, I just get a little emotional. And I'm just like, fuck, we did it, you know. And then I, I get myself together and I wipe my tears. I'm like, all right, quit being a bitch. You know, let's go up to the podium and handle business. And Ashley Raynard actually does the live announcing for Supercross. So she's the one that does live announcing oh, for it. And yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. so I see her, I get it. I see my mom, I get it together. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then I walk over and I see Ashley and I just lost it again. Like I just got so emotional. I think just because she was there. I mean, I mean, obviously just like my parents were like her and Robbie both. I mean, she used to cook dinner for me. I mean, she would wash my clothes. I mean, like she was there. And the fact that like when I saw her, I just, you know, I kind of lost it. And I was just like, man, this is, uh, this is surreal almost, you know, to think that that was such a long shot whenever I live with you guys. And, you know, I'm just kind of trying to figure life out and, uh, you know, to be in that spot and to see her there. And I got to share that emotion with her was pretty special, but yeah, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was crazy, crazy to think about it, that it happened that way for sure. Yeah, man, I can so relate like the, the Reinenbergs, like the family that owned the JDR team and mm-hmm. then, uh, like Wes Williams, dude, like Jeremy Malott, like there were some people that just had my back so mm-hmm. fucking hard in America mm-hmm. and like kept me afloat and and right now like I would not be talking to you having this conversation if it wasn't for those three groups of people and dude straight up like I cannot do enough for them now because mm-hmm. I realized how much of a fucking loser I was <laughs> and it's like I just the whole time I thought I was killing it and I'm yeah. like fucking ditches and i'm like just doing all this shit over in america i'm just like i'm the fucking man i'm killing it and then you leave and then you're like wow dude i was literally a child that these people looked after for fucking years yeah i mean that's literally exactly the way it was i was such a little boy i had i was very um a little misconstrued and uh, just naive to life in general. You know, I just thought that everything yeah. was just supposed to happen the way it was supposed to. And, you know, just super naive young kid, you know, just a little shithead kid. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, to, to have those kind of people around me though, man, I just, 
I'll forever be grateful for the whole Raynard family. Like, dude, Robbie's mom and dad, they were huge in, in helping me too. Like, yeah. Robert had been there, done it with Robbie, you know, so he was he a was big influence on my dad and how to handle situations and stuff like that. And, man, they were just uh, fucking good people, like just such good people and just honestly blessed to have met them and, and to be in the spot to where I can, uh, you know, not, not that I'll ever be able to repay them, um, but just want them to know, you know, like how much I appreciated that, you know, and, and how much they mean to me because they are like one of the most, you know, influential and, and people I care about the most is that whole family. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it was cool. They, they done a lot of good things for me and, uh, I'll never, ever forget any of that. All those times I had at Robbie's place for sure. So every time I, I try to go back there once a year and just kind of catch up and bullshit. So uh, I'm hoping I can do that this year after, after outdoors is over, go back home and relax. And they just had a kid not that long ago. So hang out with the little guy and, uh, yeah, just kind of soak it all in with him a little bit. It's crazy, man. Like, you know, you can, uh, you definitely can go through periods of your life where you don't realize that you ain't shit without the people around mm. you and mm. that that's just fucking dumb luck you know like to to mm-hmm. claim any of the success that you have in life just seems like so misguided because mm-hmm. fuck dude it's all luck it's all to get you can get lucky with um great people you can get unlucky with bad people and you know like mm to i think it's so cool to see like the way that you can sit there as a man that can like look back and just be like yeah fuck dude so lucky like not put it all on yourself as like i did this Mm. i did this i did this it's just like you have to get so lucky with these amazing people yeah i mean because it's far from doing it yourself you know like everyone has to help you get somewhere but man i've I've come to realize too kind of like what i used to say with you know the grass was greener on the other side and I always just was chasing the, the one thing, you know, I wanted to be a factory writer. I wanted to win. I wanted to do all this stuff. And then now that you do it, you're just like, man, like it's sick. But that big trophy I got is just going to sit there and collect us. You know, it's just going to sit there and yeah. do nothing like the money I, I want. I'm going to spend it probably on something stupid and it's just the way it's going to work. But the people that you do it with and the people you care about and the people you will carry your life with for the rest of your life, that's, that's the important shit, you know? And, um, you know, I had to become a man to, to kind of figure that out, you know, and the, the respect I have for people and how I try to carry myself and, um, you know, act around people and just everything. It's, 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 that's life. That's the important shit, you know, like not, not the cups, the trophies, uh, the money, all that stuff. It's, it's the people. So, um, you know, I, I've had some really good people in my life, you know, some bad too, but, um, really, really blessed with the good people I've had in my life. And that's the most important shit, you know, family, friends, um, anyone I can try to share these experiences with that I really care about. That's, that's the shit that's cool to me. So, um, that, that made this weekend even more special, man. I had a lot of friends and family there, um, got to share that with, and that was the coolest thing ever, you know, hug my mom and dad and just be like, damn, you know, like, can you believe this? You know, you're a young kid from Muskogee, Oklahoma, middle of nowhere, broke as shit. And, uh, we're here in Salt Lake and, you know, I'm an East coast champion. So, um, that, that was really, really, really special. And, um, uh, yeah, that's what makes life tick for me at least, you know, that is the people definitely. It's so cool to know that at 27 too, you know, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that, that, you know, they just, they, well, there's a lot of people that won't ever figure that shit out, mm. you know? So the fact that you can do it at, at such a young age, man, it's just huge. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what, uh, that's what kind of keeps you going, but for, for me, it was the times though where I wasn't going, you know, and I was just like, what in the hell, you know? And then you look back and you're like, who were those people that kind of kept you moving? 
and then you realize it. Then you're just like, oh shit, you know, like these are why that you call family and friends. This is what's important, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean that that was a almost kind of a crossroads, if you will. You know, like the, all those times where I was struggling down in the dumps, and then I look back on it now, and I'm just like, damn, like that is such a big, big deal. And yeah, I mean, I'm young, but I'm old, and uh, you know, to to realize yeah. those things at the age I am is cool and. Um, just really opened you up to, to just be like, man, I can't wait to see what the future is. And as long as I got these people here that I care about and, um, they're still in my corner, then we can take on the world. We can do whatever, you know, and, and whatever we try to do, we'll do it together and, um, see what happens. I fucking love that dude. The, mm-hmm. um, the Bobby Reagan, I've never met him, never spoke to him. He's a, a, mm-hmm. a, a character that lives in the ether that dictates <laughs> a lot of the shit that I watch on the weekends. But yeah. I don't... Moto's weird because you don't really... Like Mitch Payton, yeah. Roger DaCosta, yeah. But the, the whole like team manager organization... Like in football, it's all you hear about. You know, like Bill Belichick mm. and the Patriots organization. And, you know, you, you hear about this structure and so many people credit success to this program and the structure. And we sort of, you know, you see that with PC. And then, you know, Geico's had their their era and now it's like this star era what is it about like bobby reagan and then that whole program like why in your opinion as a dude that's won a championship with star why is it a championship churning out machine that is um, a great question but also one that i asked before i signed with that team in, in 16 you know like i said i was i was good still good buddies with coop and i called him i'm like yo like why do they win? Like what makes this whole thing work? Like granted, you got to have the riders. You, I mean, that's first and foremost, you got to have dudes that can go win. And then the way Coop explained it to me was cause I obviously hadn't spoken to Bobby yet either. And, uh, at the time when I told him I wanted to be on star and he was like, dude, I'll tell you right now, if you want to win, come here. Like any other team will tell you, yeah, we want to do this, but this sponsor is going to be pissed or we got to do this for that sponsor. We got to do whatever. He was like, Bobby does not give a shit. Like if he has to do something that's going to piss somebody off, but it'll help you or help the team win, he'll do it. No questions asked. Like he'll do whatever it takes to win. And for me, like a guy that wanted to win, I look at that and I'm just like, damn, like no one else has explained another team like that to me. Like I've never heard that from any other team, any other organization, nothing. So whenever I heard that, I'm like, okay, that's different. And then you talk to Bobby and, uh, you know, he explains how things work and you always can kind of look at Bobby and, and think, okay, maybe he's just the money guy behind the team and he sits back and writes the checks and does whatever. But Bobby is so involved and he knows everything that we do. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, that's why they have a team trainer. He talks to Swanee every day. He talks to Will multiple times a day. He talks to Brad Hoffman multiple times a day. Like the dude is so involved in what we do and he wants to have his thumb on everything but it's because he cares so much he just wants to go win and he wants dudes that want to go win so when you're not performing and not doing what you need to be doing he'll certainly let you know i mean he's tried to fire me a few times for just because i was being shit but um (laughs) you know once he gets to that point to where he feels like you can win and he knows that this team is going to help you do it he will do whatever. I mean, and that's just the way it's been. Like any time I needed something, they did not hesitate. They were just like, we'll do it. We don't care. You know, it will, it'll make the bike faster. Who cares? Like we're sponsored by this company, but this will be better. I mean, whatever. We'll do whatever we got to do. You know, like we'll figure really? it out. And dude, they are just, um, that's the way it was at the beginning. You know, now 
everything's certainly a lot more structured and everything falls into place just the way it's supposed to. And we do everything by the book. But, um, you know, the way it was described to me was so intriguing. I was just like, wow. Like, I mean, from a guy that wants to win and that's been in the dumps, like I'll do anything it takes to win too. So the fact that the team owner says that to you, it's just like, holy shit. Like that seems like a winning combo to me, you know? So, uh, that's, that's really, really what drew my attention there. And it wasn't just because Coop was there. Like he, he's a friend. He would have been honest with me about no matter what, yeah. you know? So the fact that he said that, I was just like, damn, you know, like that's, that's mind blowing really. And that's, that's solely where the attraction came to, to be on star racing. Yeah. The bike was sick, but the way he operated was, was how I wanted to do it. 100%. Damn, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's definitely cool to hear. And Man, it's just in line, like, if you're a dude that's in a position... So, like, I, I know Bobby Hewitt really well. Mm. So, like, just even on a... It was even personally, like, my ex-girlfriend in America grew up with, like, his daughter. So, I was kind of just even around them, like, in a full off-track way. Um, mm. But I was just, like, so impressed with him as a person. Like, when I'd hang yeah. out with him, he was just, like, old-school Texas dude works hard as mm -hmm. fuck he's a winner in every aspect of his life you know like he's a fucking winner in terms of like the way he raised his kids he's a winner in terms of the way that he treats his wife he's a winner in the way mm -hmm. that he treats his his kids and his business and then his team and then he obviously won multiple championships it's like mm -hmm. i looked at bobby hewitt as a guy like that's a legit motherfucker that i want to be around not even on a racing front, but like as a mentor or like a guy in life to look at, it's like yeah. solid fucking dude. And yeah. I sort like I said, I don't know Bobby Reagan, but it's like I kind of get that that same vibe with him. You know, mm. it's like you just don't get to the position in life where you can fund a factory race team with three hundred and forty riders on it to. <laughs> you know, if you're not a winner, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I'm a sole believer in it. It starts from the top and then you work your way down. And dude, if Bobby wasn't like yeah. that, the team would, wouldn't be what it is. I mean, he's built it into what it is, you know, cause he wanted that for so many years and he just kept doing his thing, you know, like he was like, we'll get there eventually, you know, and I'm a winner and that's what we do is we fucking win. And he says that all the time. Like, dude, I don't know how many meetings we go in and he's just like, we're going to win this race because we fucking win. That's what we do. And I'm just like, you damn right we do. You know, and then we go win the race. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, that attitude stems from, like, that's your team owner telling you this. So then you have everyone else telling yeah. you that, and you're like, okay. Like, you know, it starts from there. So, um, I mean, he's tough as nails. Like, he is hard on you when he needs to be. But that kind of confidence coming from your team owner, I mean, it, it does something to you. You know, like, that just hits you different. And, um, you know, from the get go at the first round, I mean, he told me the same thing. He's like, you're going to go win this fucking championship. And I'm like, let's go. I'm like, I, I know I'm going to, you know, like that. And I needed that little bit of reassurance too. And, um, you know, the fact that he tells you that's, it's pretty, pretty big deal. So, um, that's just the way he operates. So that's the way he is been that way from day one. That's cool, man. And that's the impression that I get. Cause you just, you mm -hmm. can't, you can't do what he's done and built what he's built without. Yeah. Like, dude pastrana says it all the time winners fucking win man it's just what they do i mean and it's exactly what he said about i mean i think it's a big uh a big testament to bobby too when you look at even the 450 program you know like you take a 450 program yeah. that it's the same guy like ap struggled you know yeah. for for years and then he yeah. comes over here and you just have that confidence of just being like bobby reagan's behind this thing like he's a fucking winner that's what he does that's all he does is win and he's the one now that I have to take orders from, you know, like he's the guy. So 
Um, you look at that and then AP just looks like a new man, you know, he's out there doing his thing. Granted, yeah. you know, they did a lot of work on the bike and did some stuff to make it better for sure. But, um, I just think that has a lot to do with it, you know, like starting from the top and just having those people there that are that way and have that attitude just makes a huge, huge difference. And, um, you know, you see that in dudes like KTM too. Like how many of those dudes just, I mean, Roger DeCoster for Christ's sake, the dude just wins, you know, like it's all he does. He just wins. Yeah. So, um, to have that starting from the top and kind of trickling its way down to the riders is, um, it's a big part of having a whole organization and program be successful. And, um, you know, I'm just lucky to be a part of one in star racing. Well, dude, and now you think about it, bro, like you guys just signed Eli Tomac, like Supercross champion. He's won 3 million motocross championships. Like that <laughs> speaks volumes to the kind of dude that Bobby Reagan obviously is if a guy like Tomac is willing to go to that program. Yeah, I honestly thought that was all bullshit for a long time because like they were like I'd heard like little rumors, you know, like, yeah, dude, Tomac's calling us, you know, like he wants to ride for start. I'm just like, yeah, they're probably blowing smoke, whatever. And then now to hear really? that that's like a real thing, I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's insane to me. You know, like that's, I think it makes like Star even look a little different than people thought, you know, just like, wow, this dude wants to come here. You know, like, I don't know exactly what the details are, really anything about it, but just the fact that he will be riding for Star Racing is mind blowing to me. <laughs> you know, if you would have told me that before the season, I'd be like, never, you know, that, that would never happen. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they just, they do the right shit. They say the right things all they care about is winning races and um you know that speaks volumes to to kids that want to go win and adults that want to go try to chase more championships and obviously it works with signing a dude like eli i mean a multi-time winner dude's won everything goes to win so yeah it's just uh it's crazy it'll take a while to get used to seeing him on a yamaha but uh i'm excited man i think that'll be cool and a big moment big moment for the team yeah and and so everything you just said 100 percent correct also, let's add the this kind of little piece to it is the fact that Star Racing Yamaha and HRC are probably the only two teams that you can go to as a lights guy and then go into the 450 class and like win on the same team, same program, same structure. Like Rock, Rockstar Husky, like, yeah, they haven't really this year. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just like, HRC, Star Yamaha. They're the two teams where you can sign as a lights rider and then go and win on a 450. Yeah, I mean, obviously you see that with uh, with it now. I mean, AP's a champion. Ferrandez a champion. Um, both done really well. I mean, Malcolm did awesome this year. Like, dude, the 450 program literally got yeah. transformed when, when we got the keys to it and took off or when they got the keys to it. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I think that makes you look at the team and you're just like, holy shit. And, you know, I think that that was a lot of attraction to a team like Rockstar when Bobby Hewitt owned it was, dude, you could possibly ride for this team and win a lights title and then go straight into a 450 thing. Like that's a huge attraction for kids, you know, that are trying to make their decisions and do all their stuff. So, uh, the fact that that's us in this position, like, I hope I can do that, you know, go straight into a 450 thing and try to do my thing. But, um, obviously that's still a little ways off, but um, that's definitely the goal and, and pretty cool to see that that can be an easy transition, you know, if, if that becomes an option, definitely. Yeah. And it's like the sport went away from that for like a little period of time. Like HRC mm -hmm. had, you know, you had Geico, but it's like, that's a different building. It's a different team. It's a different culture. Everything's different about it. You're signing a yeah. new deal. It's like, you know, that kind of left the sport for a little bit. And I mean, HRC's brought it back by signing the Lawrence boys. Um, and yeah. then obviously both of them won. 
um, this season and then they won 450 races. But yeah, it's like, dude, Starb kind of bought that shit back. Same with Honda this year. That that went away from the sport. Yeah, I mean, even a dude like Coop, you know, when he first signed from Star to Factory Yamaha, I think it was a little bit of like, it had to have been a little bit of a culture shock for him. You know, I, I can't speak for him, but I mean, he goes Yamaha corporate, you know, and it's uh, it's corporate, you know, it's suit and tie for a lot of shit. There's yeah. a lot of people there. I mean, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, trying to do stuff. And sometimes it's overlooked like there's too much bullshit you know like you have to be focused on the one thing which is winning you know like at the end of the day no one wants you to do anything unless you're winning like no one gives a shit so for coop i think that that was that had to have been maybe a little bit of the situation that was going on and then you look at somebody like um you know even like an ap2 like it's just maybe not what you think it is and then you come back to a team where the sole focus is winning they don't give a shit about anything else like they're not corporate like bobby is not you know he's not factory yamaha so it's just a different way to look at things and you know for him i think that's what obviously makes it successful for him but yeah it's just a it's a different thing man whenever you have people like that in your corner um and especially it's like that with star big time yeah man it's super cool and like you you watch like drive to survive and you see lauren stroll and the way that that he's have you seen that series Mm yeah very good yeah Yeah. like you see Lawrence Stroll you know and like the way that he's kind of walking around and the moves that he's making like I picture Bobby Reagan to be kind of like that (laughs) yeah I mean like he'll do whatever yeah I mean he's to a a point where he's like yeah I mean I don't give a shit you know like whatever it is that we got to do and he built that relationship with Yamaha years ago I mean dude they've been Yamaha forever and uh they finally I felt like got a bike where it was capable of winning and then that's they that's all they've done since is win so I mean yeah he he will do whatever and (laughs) if he's got to drop a little bit of money here or there to do shit then he will and obviously it's worked you know you can't knock it um whatever way whatever means you got to do to go win you got to do it and for him it seems to be (laughs) obviously working really well I mean you got the right dudes and uh right people in the right spots and I think that's a, a big big thing too um having people that think the same way and that also have that drive you know to do it too and i mean like our our crew chief i guess you could call him brad hoffman dude he's been with bobby since day one i mean literally since day one he was back when they were absolutely nothing so same thing he's kind of been through it he's seen it all you know the team was shit at one point and struggling to do this and that had no money and um that dude just has so much experience and will to win too that i mean that that makes a huge role too so um, yeah, big combination of a not being afraid like Bobby. He don't give a shit, and he's not afraid of anything. And then putting the right people in the right spot, and being able to go get the riders, and uh, yeah, just put it all together and get a dynasty like like Star has really. Yeah, no, it is a dynasty at this point. What um, if we shift gears to like Colt Nichols, the Supercross fan? Talk about mm-hmm. the twenty twenty one four fifty season for you. Like, what was it like? to watch that shit go down because man that was a crazy season dude it was dude that was honestly it was fun as hell to watch like obviously i had my own thing going on for sure but especially when the break happened like i was so amped up to watch supercross just because i mean i'm a fan regardless you know whether i race or not so to be there on the couch and i'm watching it all play out and like this year especially because it came down to two guys and i obviously know coop so well that it had you know I almost felt like I had more insight than the average fan but it was just so cool to see because Roxon gets on a run and you're like damn maybe he's just different this year like the dude's crushing it like wins all three indies the dude looks like he's untouchable Tomac's kind of starting to get it together a little bit and you're like okay maybe he's gonna go on another run like he always does 
And then Coop is just being Coop, doing Coop shit, you know, just like as soon as you count him out, he just shocks the world and goes out and kicks ass, you know? So it was such a cool, interesting dynamic. And then you had dudes like, you know, even AP was making his resurgence and Ferrandis was doing good and got on the podium at the second race and Chase Sexton was ripping all year, um, you know, when he was there. And yeah. uh, it, it was fun, dude. That 450 class is another animal, you know, like when I look at it, I'm just like, man, I, I love to race a 450 or to ride a 450. I've never raced one like that. And I'm like, man, I can't wait. But then I'm also just like, holy fuck, this class is gnarly, dude. There is some crazy, <laughs> talented dudes that are just unreal. I mean, every one of them. You look down the line, you're just like, holy shit, the talent that's here is is stupid. And, uh, you know, even obviously good good friends with Bogle, and he's like, yeah, dude, this class is fucked. <laughs> like, it's insane. Like, you're <laughs> off a second in practice, and you're in 16th. You know what I mean? Like, that is incredible yeah. to me. Like, it's just, it's crazy the way that class works. But... No, as a fan, it was it was damn fun to watch, and uh, no, it was it was honestly pretty cool to see how it all played out and how the mind games were played and just the shit that went down. It was it was honestly a pretty fun season, one of the best ones I think I've seen for sure. Dude, even throw like throw Bosch's name in there, like yeah. the guy just comes out and wins the opener again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the like ninth year in a row, you're just like, of course. Like, <laughs> But like, man, you you got like that dude in there, and it's like you go to any track anywhere in the world, and let's say it's like you and Basha that go there. It's like you're gonna be freaked mm. out at some point by something that dude does. You go to the track <laughs> with Dean Wilson, you're gonna be freaked yeah. out by like some shit that he does. Ken Roxon's mm. gonna keep his feet on through like some gnarly. You know, they, these guys yeah. just have every single one of those guys that is in that class to. Dude, it feels like 16th, 17th is just like a straight up savage dude. And it's just, you you watch those things come together. Like, I mean, Basha and Eli have got like their own little rivalry within the grand scheme of the championship. And, you know, Basha's Mm -hmm. reeling off race wins and he's on this new gas gas. And like, he's bringing that to the sport and then you've got you know like marvin taking off his neck brace with three rounds to go and like it's wins right it's like what is going on right now dude i know the the race within the race was always fun to me you know like the little rivalries they had and like you know different people coming together and then like you get barsha around tomac and you're just like what's gonna happen now you know like somehow barsha and tomac getting together is always interesting you know it's like can he get around him this time or whatever but Dude, it was just, it was so cool. And so many different races had so many different, uh, you know, people towards the front. And the class is just, I think it's just, I mean, everyone's going so fast that, dude, you can't predict anything. I mean, dude, through the first five races, I was just like, holy shit, this is incredible. Like, Dylan came in with an injury. And so you had no idea how he was going to do Ferrandis. And, dude, get second at, I think the second round and yeah. was ripping. I was like, dude, yeah. dude could have won. Like yeah. dude was going unreal. And every weekend it just seemed like it was something new. So that, that made it interesting. And dude, if you weren't a fan uh, after this year watching it, like, I don't know what would make you a fan. Cause it was incredible to watch. Honestly, each weekend it was something new and it was just, it was sick. I loved it. Yeah, man. Honestly, like you probably couldn't say it better than that. Like if you, if you've watched this season and you ain't a fan, mm-hmm. like just watch something else, bro. Cause like we can't do anything more for you. No, honestly, at that point, you're just like, okay, maybe you're just never going to be a fan then because this was unreal. Like, as as a fan, yeah, it was about as good as you could want, honestly. It was incredible. 
So what um what inside info did you have on the Coop program? Like, was there shit where we were all going like, oh, Roxon, you know? But like, you had some inside shit where you're like, nah, bro, Coop's got this all day. Uh, I mean, just in a sense of just, I know how he works, man. I've been around him for so long that I just, you just can't count him out, you know? Like, you really just can't. I mean, even that night where, um. You know, they were making such a big deal about, I think it was one of the Arlington rounds where he he was shit in the heat race. Like, dude, Kenny yarded him. Uh, Chase came in there and, like, um, oh, and then actually Chase, tapped him, yeah. put him on the ground. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Coop yeah. was just off all day. Like, in practice, he struggled a little bit. Like, and I'm like, dude, like, I'm telling you, the dude's going to go out and probably win tonight. I just know how he works. Like, the dude's just sick in the head. He's going to go out and get a good start. He's going to dig like he always does. And he's going to win this fucking race. And sure enough like it like i don't know if that crash just woke him up or what it was but the dude just went out there and just does what he does like he just i don't know how to describe it other than the fact that you just can never count the dude out he rides with such a chip on his shoulder that he just does some amazing shit like just when you think that you know he there's no way he can do it then all of a sudden he does it and proves us wrong again and i just think that's incredible man so uh i think just more or less just being around him for years like i just know how the dude operates and he's just a sicko that's just the only way there is to describe it is just he's sick man he really is there's there's a crazy thing with coop too where he just will never blame the bike he's just one of the rare guys that will ride around a, a bad motorcycle yeah, I mean, I, I've never, I mean, obviously, yeah, you do your little tweaks and you do shit like that for sure, but if he has a bad night, he looks at himself. First and foremost, I mean, he looks at himself and he was like, dude, I got to get my shit together. Like, we, I don't know what happened, you know? And uh, I think it was one of the races where he did have, um, you know, a little bit of a lackluster performance, maybe the first Atlanta or w- whatever it was, you know, something that wasn't conventional coupe. And I, I just knew that the next one would be different. And he would figure it out by the time they left there. And that's just the way he is, man. I don't care what he has to do, how he has to get himself in that mindset to do what he does. And, you know, I think they did work on the bike a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, you'll never hear him be like, yeah, dude, bike shit. That's why I lost. Or, I mean, anything. It's always on him. And he's rarely in a spot where he can look at it and be like, yeah, I lost because of this. Like, he just doesn't lose. You know, if he's in a position to be close to a win, he wins. I mean, damn near every time. Like, any time there's two laps to go and anybody's ahead of him and he's, like, a second or two within him, I'm like, oh, Coop's got this all day. Like, he's going to win. And he does every time. Like, it's honestly incredible to watch. And it makes it interesting from a fan's uh, perspective because you're just like, can he do it again? You know, can he do it again? And he just seems like he does it every time somehow. Pulls it out of his ass. I don't know how he does it. He's got the he's got the shit talking pretty on point as well because like I mean it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's you got to preface like the history that Ken and Coop have but like obviously I yeah. don't really care to go into it but it's like there mm-hmm. is history there between those guys it is personal and it would be mm-hmm. weird every fucking weekend like regardless of the you know what I mean like even if they're not yeah. getting into it on the track like it's still a fucking weird thing to deal with but like. Yeah he talks shit well too like real fucking well and there's like he's on like a black belt level of head fucking and i mean i've seen Mm -hmm. a bunch of guys that think they're killing it um and you know and i mean i've heard kenny be like i'm in his head at like you know personally i've heard him be like i'm in that guy's head i'm like i don't know dude (laughs) like but with (laughs) coop it's like (laughs) yeah yeah like coop it's like you're in everybody's head and there's just like ah the way that he does it it's just fucking 
chef's kiss yeah. on all of the shit talk. Like, he, he is a master at it. It's like, says so much with so little. Yeah, I mean, even that... Uh the, the funniest one, because he told me about it afterwards. Like, he's he's telling me, it was like, dude, you will not believe. Uh, or he didn't say you will not believe, but he was like, yeah, dude, I uh, told him what was up on the gate. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, you're full of shit, whatever. And then, dude, later, Supercross Live posts a video. I guess someone was mic'd up around him. He just looks at Eli, looks at King. He's like, hope you boys are ready for a fucking battle. And, dude, like, you're about to take <laughs> off and race these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have got to be radiating confidence. Like, I better go get shit handled now. And the dude went out and won the race. Like, and fucking crushed it. Like, if that doesn't break your spirit, lining up next to the dude, like, I don't know what will. And he just, he knows how to turn that shit on when he needs to. And that just comes from that chip on his shoulder he's always had. I mean, all the way through our amateurs, like, getting his ass kicked by Adam. And that kind of made that chip, I think. And, man, yeah, that was just, uh, it doesn't really get much better than that. Like, that's incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. And, and yeah, what are you supposed to do as the dude that gets second to that guy? Like, you got a week. Sometimes you got two days to figure out mm. how to beat that dude. Yeah. I mean, you, you literally just, you don't know how to do it. Obviously, someone, no, no one's really figured it out yet. And, and I think Coop's only getting better. So, um, yeah, I mean, the dude just, he knows how to win. I mean, he knows how to get himself right. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you heard people saying all year, like, man, Kenny just needs to knock him down one time. You know, like, try to get in his head a little bit or something. And, um, you know, it's just. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that with Coop. Like, I don't know if you can really get in the dude's head. Like, he's just built different, I think. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of funny to see the different tactics. But Coop is just a master at what he does, man. He's good at it. He radiates confidence. He gets it done when he needs to. And, uh, yeah, you can never really doubt the guy. That's for sure. What do you think, like, if you had this, there's, like, the one chink in his armor in terms of riding is whoop speed. What do you think that he's got to do? Like, you know, you're a guy that is good in the whoops, but, you know, you get on a 450 and there's a bunch of shit that goes, you know, can change there. But, like, that seems to be the only thing where if he was killing the whoops at every single time and he could adapt and have that, that whoop speed, like, fuck, it'd be pretty much good night nurse. Yeah, I mean, it would <clears throat> probably be, yeah, it'd be definitely over before it started, I think. But at the same time, like, you look at it when the dude has to figure it out he somehow does like if he sucks in the whoops yeah. all day and he can't skim him and he's jumping or doing but he figures it out and he just wins the race i mean it just never i don't really think that you can even say that's a chink because when he has to he figures it out like there's just no questions mm, he just somehow does it you know like i don't know how he does it like he struggles there all day and you can visibly see it sometimes and then when it comes down to it he just somehow figures it out and you're just like jesus dude like i don't know how the dude does it but yeah, I honestly, I don't know. You know, I, I've heard, um, I even heard Reed, I think, talking about it before and talking about four strokes and how there's so much different. And that dude obviously has experience like nobody else. And he's just like, yeah, man, sometimes it's just hard to get these bikes to go through the whoops. And, um, you know, he, he rode a KTM Husqvarna, like all this stuff. And, um, you know, some bikes are just better in the whoops than others. And just the way the chassis set up and how it flexes and everything. And uh, I'm not saying theirs isn't, but, you know, I, I have no idea. I've obviously never wrote any of that stuff. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe that's something to do with that. I don't know. But the dude uh, the dude just figures it out when he needs to. So, um, yeah, I don't really think that he's even really that concerned about it. Because when it comes time to, like, really do it, he does it. So, I mean, he's. I don't even think he's worried. <laughs> that's such a good point. So, you got uh, next year, obviously, 
you'll run the one E and try and defend that title. And then that'd be like, that'd have to be your last year in, in the lights class, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'll be last year. I, um, you get four, four, I think total years of pointing out. And, uh, this year I, I burnt my third year, but obviously winning, you only have one year to defend. So we'll do lights next year, defend. And then, uh, yeah, off to, off to the big boy class. Do you, so what's your like deal status with star? Like, do you have next year on your contract already locked and loaded or like where you at contract wise? Yeah. So I have one more year with star, uh, originally signed yeah. in, uh, so in 20, it had to have been 2020. Um, yeah, in 2020 when I got hurt, I, I did my shoulder um, right after, right when we were starting to get into Supercross riding, I did my shoulder back late in October, I think. And um, I mean, in October, I signed a two-year extension with Star as I was hurt, sitting on the couch, couldn't do anything. So that's what I mean, like about Bobby Reagan, like the dude always had faith in me and he always knew I was going to mm. do it. I just had to come through somehow. And the dude just kept re-signing me. Like, dude, I got hurt in 17, and I had a two-year deal. He added another year to it and was like, we want you to feel comfortable. Like, we know you can do it. And the dude just kept signing me. And then I got hurt again in 19, and dude signed me for another two years. At first, he came at me with a one year, and, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, no matter what happens, um, you know, I have two more years. Because I didn't burn a year of eligibility in 2020. I only raced a handful of races at Salt Lake. And he was like, okay, no questions oh, asked. Like, yeah. He just bumped it to two years and was like, okay, here you go. Like, dude, did never even ask questions about it. I just asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, for sure. And that, that was incredible to me. So, um, yeah, we're, we're locked in for next year, and then after that we'll, we'll kind of see what happens and then, um, you know, try to get something together for the 450 class after that. How do you feel your time? Like, you've obviously at this point you're probably good at being injured just because you've fucking been injured a lot. Like, what mm. are you feeling your time with to, to make that process, like, not only bearable but – I guess productive to the big picture yeah I think in uh it depends on the injury really but in 19 I did the shoulder and um I actually broke my foot too so at the time when I did that my foot took about eight or nine weeks to heal and my shoulder obviously I had uh, reconstructive surgery on that and that took forever and I couldn't do anything really I was in a sling and then I had one of those little scooter things with my foot up and I'm just trying to wheel around the house and oh. not run into shit pretty much so uh, I couldn't do anything with that one but uh, the one that was, I would say, honestly, the biggest blessing in disguise was Salt Lake 2020 when I went there. I was um, I was underprepared to go race at Salt Lake, but I would just had about three weeks on the bike before we went. And I was like, OK, I feel decent enough. You know, like, let's go race and just see where we're at and get some gate drops at least before outdoors. And, you know, hopefully I can maybe help Shane in the title hunt, too, or whatever. So uh, we went there and raced. And, you know, I ended up that's whenever Sexton landed on my hand. And I broke my hand. And that was the first injury I had had in a really long time where I was hurt, but yet I could still use my legs. I could cycle. I could run. I could uh, do all this shit. So um, in 2020, when I got hurt during that, I came back home and I'm like, Swanee, listen, like, I don't know how many more times I can do this. I, I'm over getting hurt. I'm so annoyed. You know, I'd only raced four races um, and I was hurt again. That one was, I was just like weird too. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a really weird deal, but it, uh, looking back on it now, I'm like, wow, that was probably the biggest catalyst for how I'm in the position I'm in now. Because dude, after I got back from Salt Lake, I, uh, the day I got back, I went on a run that day and you know, my hands all fucked up. My bones are all mashing together in my hand. And I'm just like, dude, I will do anything to not be in this spot again. I'm going to work my ass off. So after that I had surgery the next day. 
uh, come back. I'm going to cast and doing all this stuff. And we started that next day. Like I had surgery on, I think like a Wednesday, we started training on Thursday and dude, we took off. Like I did everything I could possibly do. Like I was doing, you know, three, four day training sessions. We were cycle, we would run, we would hit the gym, you know, I'm doing yoga. Um, like I'm doing everything I could possibly do. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to turn into a beast. And I just did everything, dude. I was, you know, 10, 12 mile runs, you know, we're doing three, four hour cycles, like these crazy intervals where, um, you know, I was pushing myself harder than I've ever pushed myself off the bike, you know, to get to a point where I was like, I never want to look at it and be like, maybe I crashed cause I wasn't strong enough or, anything. I was just like, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to swing for the fences and see what happens. And, um, this year I was able to pass a lot of guys at the end of the races and I had my fitness there. I hit the ground hard. A lot of times I was able to bounce right back up. I think cause I was a little stronger and a little more, a bur- little more bulkier this season than I ever was before. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we went to work. That was, I think a little bit of a blessing in disguise that that crash I had there. Dude, that's so sick, man. Like I fucking love that mentality of just like turning into a beast because yeah like i i raced <clears throat> i wasn't good when i raced <clears throat> but i just i didn't understand hard work and i didn't understand mm. how hard work paid off and it wasn't mm. until i started doing jujitsu and then i was like i want to compete and you're at like the bottom of the heap and then you're just getting mm. fucked up by every like literally everybody in the gym when you first go in there they can just fuck you up like crazy yeah and there was just like a, a bit of a switch that happened mentally when it, i was just like okay well i just have to like train hard i have to study hard i have to like there's all this extra shit and it was purely out of like i just need to not get fucked up so bad when i go to this gym like it, you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it, the goal it was such like a weird goal to have but it pushed me to like really work hard and really train and dude i just like you know kind of what you said like you just go like to a fucking beast like i just tried to do that and it was in the it was in a real weird way like you know just a mm. local jiu-jitsu gym you know that's it's like a weird environment mm. to do it but dude the mm. first like i reckon like the first nine months of doing jiu-jitsu literally changed my life in terms of the way that I looked at hard work and the results that I saw in like a really short period of time. And I was just like, dude, if I apply this to everything in my life, I could probably get the same results. And I mean, I just started doing it with the podcast. I started doing it with reading. I started doing it with stretching. I started doing it with meditation. It was just like everything in my life. I was like, dude, I just, if I work this hard at it, I could literally change my life in the space of nine months, you know? Mm, yeah. I mean, that literally exactly the way I looked at it. Like I got hurt and I'm not saying I got hurt because I was out of shape. Like I, I thought I was in really good shape. Like I'd been training with Swanee for years and we do everything really, really well. But dude, when we got back, I was like, dude, I want to go to another level. I was like, let's, let's ramp up everything. Like, let's do everything more. Like I want to do more. I want to do an hour longer on the cycle. Let's do a longer run. Let's be in the gym for an hour longer. Like, let's do whatever we can. Like we have time right now. And it was tough for him because it's always stuff that he's probably wanted to do. But yeah, he, I mean, we, we really couldn't, you know, like I was coming off an injury every time to do something, you know, like I, I broke my femur in 17 and we're just mm. busting our balls to try to get back and make the first race. You know, we make the first race. I, I raced four races, hurt my knee, you know, so that now we're out and then we're struggling to come back to outdoors. So it was always like, felt like it was always something. And this was that time period where normally this would have been my break. You know, like you're done with the season. 
you have a little bit of a break, go home, do whatever, hang out with your family. Do I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I stayed at my house in California. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Like we're going to be here. Let's put in as much time as we can possibly do. Like anything you want me to do, I'll do it. I don't care what it is, you know? And it was just uh, that mentality where I was just like, it kind of brought me back to like the 2014, 15 kind of days where I was just like, dude, whatever we got to do. Like I'm sick of being hurt. I'm sick of being this guy that everyone thinks can't make a championship because he's hurt. And I'm not saying I was getting hurt because I was weak or anything like that, but I just wanted to leave no stone unturned. I was like, let's do whatever we yeah. can. Like, and if it works, like I'm going to be a beast, like I'll fuck everyone up. Then you know, like, I feel like I'll do whatever I got to do. So, um, that was the mentality. And that's, that was really what made this year what it is. And transitioning into outdoors I'm hoping that that's um, that's going to carry over and do the exact same thing because I feel like I'm on another level fitness wise than I've ever been ever so um, I think that'll really play out during during the summer months for sure yeah I'm fucking excited for that now like hearing that mm-hmm. you know what yeah. so it's one thing though right to sit here and say it like it's fucking so easy to say like I'm gonna work so hard I'm gonna be a beast I'm gonna do. but like you know mm-hmm. so my equivalent of that is like open mat you've got an hour and a half of just straight rolls with fucking killers and it's hot mm. you're in a gi like they're fucking you up and it's like you've got to like at least for me i've just tried to f- figure out a way to just go dark like i'm not even mm. me anymore for like that yeah. hour and a half that i'm there i just like give myself it's like a sacrifice i'm literally sacrificing that hour and a half of my life to just go fucking dark just be void and just go literally as hard as i can i'm a piece of shit to everybody that i roll with like i literally will just do every everything for that hour and a half to just be a fucking savage and you've almost got to like you there's a weird process that you have to go through you have to like strip out who you are what you've got what Mm. your plans are after like if Mm. you got a chick and fuck you know all the bullshit so like do you have that headspace where you when you go to train and you're on a three-hour cycle where you've just got to fucking go into the dark and just come out of it whenever it's done and be like Cole again after, you know? Oh, 100%. Because before, like, we would do stuff, but um, rarely was it like, I want you to go as hard as you can go. You know, like, go until you feel like you're going to die. You know, like, just do whatever you can do because you're constant when you're riding, you can't really do that. Like, you save that for on the track, you know, to where you're like, I'll go as hard as I can go. Like, I'm pushing to the limit. But whenever we train, especially during the week, you don't have that as much. You know, like, you're just more focused on recovery, you know, and then maintaining the, the fitness you have. Yeah. And at that point, like, when I was in that era of, you know, after 2020 when I got hurt, I was like, okay, let's go to the pain cave. And I just want to stay there. I mean, fuck it. Like, let's just see, you know, what I'm built like. Let's, let's see move what in. happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, why not? You know? So we would do these cycles where, I mean, you are literally as hard as you can go. The heart rate's 190. Like, you're through the roof. And it's literally just like, how hard, how bad do you want it? You know, like, how much can you dig to get what you want? And, dude, once I started doing that, I felt like I just opened up Pandora's box. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I have such a big engine and I can do way more than I thought I could simply because I want it. Like I wanted it more than anything. And before I don't think I had that, you know, as much to where I didn't really understand how big of a mental breakthrough that was to do that day in and day out. You know, like before I'm thinking, all right, well, let's save it for the race and, you know, like whatever. But now I'm like, dude, if I have an opportunity where someone's like, or, you know, Swanee is like, let's go out as hard as you can fucking go. Like to me, that's the most important thing I can do. Like that's testing myself more than anything. You know, like how bad do you want to do it? Like, what are you willing to do to go do it? 
And once I started to realize that, it literally just everything took off. And that's why this year I think has been as successful as it was. It was um, that big mental breakthrough I felt like I had in those times where I was like, I'll do whatever it takes. And, um, and then to be able to put that to use, like during the races, was huge. Like I know they're only 15 minutes, but I mean, of course you get gassed and everything. And I made a lot of passes at the end of races. Like I passed Christian with three laps to go, I think at, at Houston three to win my first race. I passed him again at Houston or right before that at Houston two with, I, I want to say, you know, three or four minutes left to go in that race. So it was like toward the end of the races where I was getting stronger and I was doing all this shit. And I was passing dudes and like to me, I was just like, wow, that was because of all this stuff. Like mentally, I knew I could push myself to a place I'd never been before. And I was able to apply that on the weekends. And that was, that was huge, man. I saw that and I was like, wow, that was literally just because of that. I mean, it was strictly because of those bike rides, those runs, all that shit I didn't want to do. And I pushed myself to a new level that I've never pushed myself to before. And, um, yeah, to have it come through the way it did and be this guy that was kind of wearing people down at the end of the race and stuff like that. I was like, that's, that's it right there. You know, that, that's what we were missing a little bit before. And now I got that, you know, I, I needed that big time. And, and do you think that that's something that you can look at in like other areas of your life away from racing now? No, 100%. Just because I knew how much effort I was putting into something so whenever I look at it at a life perspective, I'm just like, dude, like if you wanted that bad enough and you're willing to put your life on the line to do it and literally go till you feel like you're going to die, then you can get a lot of shit done. You know, like you can do really yeah. whatever you want. I mean, like the sky's the limit, you know? So, uh, for me that, that kind of mental breakthrough was like, Jesus, you know, like this ability to test yourself day in and day out and push and like, cause I've always been able to like push. I feel like I always had this ability to dig, you know, no matter what, but to do it every time, you know, and just be like, I'm never going to waver, you know, like I'm never going to just save it for the next time. I'm going to go until I can't go anymore. And I'll be damned if someone's going to beat me, you know, it was just the attitude I had about everything. And, um, this whole preseason was just different, man. Like I just did everything wide open as good as I could do it as hard as I could go. And, um, that, that was the life lesson pretty much you know it's just like damn I can take this anywhere you know as long as I do that and have that kind of attitude then sky's the limit like we can do whatever the hell we want dude and man like you sit here is like I'm listening to you talk and I'm going fuck like how do you beat that dude and it's like that's what <laughs> happened you know what I mean like people couldn't yeah. beat you like people could beat you in yeah. a race and people could you know beat you in, on the night but it's like people didn't beat you like it's so hard to beat that dude and man mm. like i'm saying how hard i train blah 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 there's guys in my gym that make me look like a bitch and mm. it, you know what i mean like there's levels mm. to it and the guys yeah. that the guys that work the hardest consistently and it's not like uh i think the other thing too is that when you do just something for its own sake like you've yeah. got this cycle right this three-hour cycle where you're like i'm gonna fucking die on this cycle that mm. cycle doesn't become about a race it doesn't become about any external thing when you do it just to go and just like all right this is literally all that matters right now i think when you get mm. into that mindset and it's like you're treating everything like every role that you do in the gym or every moto or every so when you're just treating it as like okay this is the only thing that exists now like I'm not saving it for tomorrow. I, I'm not worried that I've got to do a, go to the movies later or dinner later or like I'm not worried about this interview I got to give. It's like this is it. 
I'm going to fuck myself up right now. And then mm-hmm. when you just show up daily and you're just like, yeah. it's a weird lifestyle, dude. Like the Brazilians in jiu-jitsu, they call it pojada and they call it everyday okay. war. And it's like, it's mm. like just a mindset that these fucking mm. dudes have. And in jiu-jitsu culture, it, it literally is like every single day, like the best dude in the world, Gordon Ryan, he just, he literally trains seven days a week, never takes a day off. And it's been like yeah. years, literally like, seven eight years of not taking a day off and it's like that mindset dude of just like being a fucking killer 24 7 everything you do like and it's not dictated Mm. on like oh this is a you know this is the program and i got this race it's like when you become like that savage dude that can show up or or like that version of you can show up for everything then you're a real real hard dude to beat yeah and that's that's that was a realization this year was I was just, I don't know. I just had this like idea of myself and I I knew what I'd done in the preseason and how hard I'd worked. And once I got to that point to an actual race where it mattered, I was like, man, like this is why I did all that. Let's go lay it on the line and see what happens. You know, like at least I can do is give it my best effort. And, you know, I kind of learned what the best effort was this, this off season. And how hard I could actually push myself and how much I could get out of myself was, was a big thing too. And yeah, man, once I, once I realized that that breakthrough was, was huge. And then I was just like, everything I do is for the moment. I mean, every single thing I did, like at the practice track, I would always look at it and be like, yeah, we're saving ourselves for the weekend or, you know, we're doing whatever. And which that was always the goal. You always have to have that in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, this is all for Saturday. But at the moment, it was just like, dude, let's, I'll go kill myself to win. Like, let's, we'll do whatever, you know, like I will kill myself on the cycle in the gym. Like I'm going to turn into a beast and I'm going to do everything as hard as I can do it. And, uh, man, that's, that's really, really what I did. I mean, I laid it all out there every weekend. I mean, even that crash at, uh, I had an Indy three and you know, I left it all out there. I did everything I felt like I could do, you know, and I came back and got third that night. And to me, that was one of the biggest races for me, like just a breakthrough to just be like, man, dude, like. I, I gave everything yeah. to the last lap, you know, like to the last absolute lap. And, um, you know, yeah. having that battle with jet was even more reassurance because it would have been very easy to just be like, all right, fuck, he's got me. You know, like I can't get him. I tried for eight minutes to pass this kid and I could not pass him. Uh, as soon as I pass him, he'd get me back. And I just kept going. I was like, dude, I will not quit. <laughs> like I have been down in the dump so many times. I've had so many cycles where I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. And I somehow pull through it every time. So I was like, let's just keep going, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, you know, we got all the way back up to third. And it was one of the biggest like moments uh, of my career to just be like, damn, like you did that, you know, like that was just because you never quit. You didn't give up and uh, got you to a spot where that was like that championship salvage kind of ride. You know, that's the one that I needed. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's a huge part of our game. Definitely. Well, man, we um, we pretty much just done three hours. I um, I'm stoked, man. I, I'm really stoked that um, I mean, I, I've been talking to, to Parker about getting you on here for yeah. a while now, and uh, yeah. I'm stoked that we didn't do it earlier. To be honest, man, like I feel like you can yeah. talk a you can talk a complete in a completely different way when you're a champ because all yeah. the shit that you're saying is now backed up. It's concrete. It's in the record books. Mm-hmm. You're a fucking champ forever. And it really validates a lot of the, you know, the stuff that, that you are saying and, and to hear the appreciation that you've got for the people that helped you along the way and to hear about, you know, the, the fact that this championship was just built out of fucking hard work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's awesome, man. It's a, it's a great message. I've taken a lot of inspiration 
um, from you know just from talking to you for these these few hours. So I really appreciate your time, dude. And um, yeah, what a fucking season. <laughs> Hell yeah, boys! Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to do it. Big fan of the show. So uh, yeah, it was a pleasure, most definitely. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go for this uh, this walkout fit deal. I'm like I'm about it. I feel <laughs> like we need to. I feel like we need to make it. We need to make it happen, dude. Jet and Hunter would be in <laughs> on it. You got you. You got Bogle. Who else dresses good? Who else could we get in that in that mix? Mm, I mean, actually, even Christian this year was stepping his game up. He was he was bringing some heat at a, yeah, at a few races. Uh, I think I was throwing some influence in there. So um, yeah, I mean, we could we could get a whole squad if we wanted to for sure. Um, we got to do the OGs at least, me and Bogle, and then uh, whoever wants to tag along, bring it in, and we'll we'll do everybody. I don't give a damn. Let's do it. What day would be? What what's like the best day to do it? Should we do it like Saturday morning? And because what I'm thinking, right? This is what this is what I'm thinking. <clears throat> I'm thinking we got like a little like maybe the tunnel and it's like a time we walk in and it's like we got some cameras there we announce this mm. shit and then it's like it's you know we, we we make this like a legit thing i'm feeling it yeah i mean that's what we did in uh that's what we did 19 it was saturday morning so i left the hotel and yeah. my full get up that was not like just pit shirt and hat shit you know uh we kind of wore whatever and then once we got to the race we walked in you know wherever in was it was different every single time obviously and we just kind of like brad snapped a few photos we went to our haulers we changed into our track walk shit and then we went to it so uh yeah we did a saturday morning so that could work that's it i'm down we need to make it happen i'll do whatever Let's i gotta do, do. I'm, I'm feeling that we'll, we'll run a little highlight clip on youtube every week yeah <laughs> i'm into that man let's do it we need to bring it back most definitely i'm down yeah for sure well hey uh yeah good luck for outdoors too man I, i'm excited now like the whole uh that gear that you found man like that's really going to come into play in the summer um and yeah outdoors is going to be fucking wild this year so i'm excited to see that that version of colt on the line let's go man yeah i'm excited man it's, it'll be a fun year um ready to get things going chase another title and see what we can do i mean a lot a lot of good dudes but uh yeah we'll, we'll see what we can do i'm ready for it but yeah once again thanks for having me man i appreciate it this was cool nah man i appreciate you dude thanks so much yep of course thank you <laughs>